0: a lot of football on your podcasts and other things on the tubes then hold and give we continue to not commit fully to the bit which is somebody else's bit so let me know for any alternatives in the comments down below. Have you got any alternatives we can open the podcast with?
1: No, I've just got the old trio biscuit advert stuck in my head and trying to work hold and give into it and it doesn't work Go
0: on, give it a go. It'll work if you try hard enough.
1: Uh, Hold and give, hold and give I want some football and I want... Holding game. Holden game. Holding game. Holden game.
0: I want some football. I want some football. And I want some Did you know that Wayne Rooney, Gareth Bale and Kevin Davies of Bolton and Southampton another teams fame are the only three players to have scored, assisted and put through their own net in the same game? Start off well. Ended on a sad note there for the three lads. <laughs> well I didn't before, but I do know that now. It's incredible stat, isn't it? Goal, yeah. assist, and own goal.
1: I wonder yeah, well, do, do we know what stage of Gareth Bale's career that was? Was he still in defence then or was he the I marauding winger?
0: It was a game for Tottenham where someone booted off his face that went in his own goal. I'm going to assume it was that game. I hope it was yeah. that game because it's one of the greatest own goals in Premier League history. It's not like Gillard uh, was a virgini for Sunderland when he twatted it in against Southampton on the, on the half volley from fully 18 yards in the bottom corner.
1: Oh, I can't remember that one. 14, man. 15,
0: I think... Hey, fourteen fifteen season, Sudland away at Southampton. Take away the Mackham aspect from my point of view. It's a fantastic own goal. It's a goal where if Alan Shearer slotted it in the bottom corner, I'd be away doing that.
1: The one, the one that whenever I think of own goals, I think it was ninety five, ninety six. David Unsworth for Everton, I think, against United. Just because me and my cousin were on holiday in Butlins because it was the nineties and we were that's what he did in the 90s you went to Portland <laughs> yeah we were in Bethel in the rain and we just we just kept saying all week David Unsworth's gonna score an own goal the weekend and he did so now whenever I think of own goals I think of David Unsworth whenever I think of David Unsworth I think of own goals
0: what a penalty he had though by the way David Unsworth he used to twat that ball with his left foot didn't he
1: made me sick oh it was like it was like he owed him money it was amazing
0: <laughs> <laughs> how did his own goal go in though can you remember the goal can jack atkins remember a thing can jack atkins remember a thing no
1: no um (laughs) peeling the curtain back a little bit we've had to pre-record a special for next week (laughs) where i do some of the worst forgetting of my career it's a Bobby dazzler uh, the one
0: you forget you can't as a liverpool fan you can't forget the name but he he went and forgot the name didn't you of
1: course he did yeah
0: fantastic that's it
1: Tell you what, I'm not forgetting. I'm not forgetting the uh, seismic football moments that happened on this day in history, you I'll tell you. That. Here
0: we go. It's Clyde. Oh, I can't say that on the podcast. <laughs> to peel the curtain back, we had a, what was the game called at Christmas time at the Christmas party? I forget the name of the game.
1: It was a draw- drawful.
0: It was something like where you have, like, you know, you, you play along on your phone in the room. You've got some sort of console hooked up to the TV, so everyone's playing on their phone via the television. Give yourself a team name. He called himself Clive F U C K. So on the document here, I've written down Clive F U C K's On This Day IP Freely is the name of the segment. A uh,
1: working title, I'd, I'd say. Uh, so. Yeah, because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, because you were leathered at the back of the room on wine, and you just kept saying that name over and over again in disbelief.
0: <laughs> it's a great name, though. Imagine going to a bar and just saying, "I'm
1: Clive." You know what? <laughs> so yeah, for, for, from the pen of Clive, you know what? We're recording this July 26th. So in 1966, it was England versus Portugal in the World Cup semi-final, in Wembley. Bobby Charlton scored two. Eusebio scored one. And uh, we we all know what happened next, don't we?
0: Bobby Chance was a thunder bastard, if I recall? That was that goal where he yeah. sort of just hits it from. Thirty yards out and he stanchions at the old Wembley stanchions. I miss the I missed those Wembley goals. When they changed me in the nineties, that was sacrilege, that in my opinion. Even as a young boy. As a three-year-old boy, I was like, Oh, you can't be you can't be messing with tradition like this.
1: Threw down your flat up and protest outside those old two towers. Licked me Bang. nice big lump of coal, that was me tea that night. <laughs> up the north. Up the north. Talking about someone leaving the North though, 1977, July 26th, uh, Kevin Keegan made his debut for Hamburg um, he had left Liverpool in June 1977 for £500,000, which was a uh, transfer record for a UK player at the time. Um, Hamburg, in a gorgeous pink number, went on to bat a Barcelona 6-0 in a friendly and uh, while at Hamburg, Kevin Keegan would win the Ballon d'Or twice. Is he still the only? Is it was it back to back? Is that right? Have I just made back to back? Is he the yeah, only guy, Is he
0: still the only guy to do a back to back? I was. I'm, I assume Ronaldo or Messi must have got there as well at this point. I assume. I'm just talking nonsense now. I know nothing about football. This is a football podcast. What am I doing here? And I, I'm someone who doesn't really put much stock
1: in the Ballon d'Or anyway, so you know it is what it is.
0: Neither do I really. But let me tell. I had a tour of the Camp Nou last autumn. And seeing mm-hmm. all of Messi's in the Bar in the Barcelona Museum, oh, it makes your knees go a bit weak, let me tell you. Just seeing them all lined up there in a row, each in their own individual, uh, clear perspex box, which you can stand next to and touch the box, not the ballon door.
1: Oh, it makes your knees go weak. <laughs> it's an impressive looking trophy, definitely. Um, of course, Michael Owen won one didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. Before he turned into yeah. a
0: mercenary arsehole, yeah, an we, injured uh... little prick. A scoundrel of the game. I hate Michael Owens. A boring bastard. I hate Michael Owens so much.
1: <laughs> the only good thing Michael Owens done since leaving Liverpool was that video of him flying a helicopter. <laughs> what was
0: he selling? Sa- I forget what he was selling. It's one of my few liked videos on YouTube. I think I've got like three liked videos. One's like a, a a workout you should do every morning for 10 minutes because it'll make your life last longer, which I've never done once. And the other one's Michael Owen on this tour going, oh... We're gonna to have to come in to land now. Oh, it's,
1: it's. I think he's just trying to. It's something to do with Dubai. I don't know if he's trying to flog apartments to people or something like that. But he's yeah. He's in this helicopter. And he's like, hold hold on tight. I've got to switch on the the burners now. <laughs> oh, there's former Ryder Cup captain Sam <laughs> <Lawrence>. <laughs> <laughs> hello sam <laughs> oh, it's, oh it's it's brilliant it's almost as good as uh the, the man united uh wine advert which is also fantastic run me through which that I one admit, again i'd never seen it until i joined the, the cultaholic organization i think it was either you or it must have been jack king showed it to me and it's um it's ever gigs and wayne rooney in like a box in old traffic in suits at night and rooney's like looking all pensive at a window and he's like the boss says, we've signed someone. He's I got, a bit
0: of a devil. I found it. Here we go. Let's play, yeah. the, let's play the sound. We can't play the footage otherwise We'll get completely whistle-wazzled yeah. by YouTube gods. But here's the sounds anyway.
1: I said, have you heard the rumour?
0: or rumour, George? So George and Sid are the janitors at Manchester United just to set the scene. They're on the pitch in Old Trafford. No one's there. It's late at night. And now there's a fireball approaching the United Kingdom through the skies. Rooney is looking pensive, looking out of a window in a box at Old Trafford. Guys, we have a problem. <laughs> Forget about Houston, we have a problem. Wayne Rooney completely undersells the, <laughs> the magnitude of the situation by simply saying, guys, we have a problem, as a full-on meteor approaches Old Trafford.
1: The boss said that new devil is arriving.
0: Why does he do that? Let me tell, ask you, as a Scouser, arriving. He wouldn't say that if he wasn't reading the script, I, I, I imagine.
1: Yeah, and Rooney's one of those, his accent is more like a kind of what I call a, a classic Scouse accent, like the Beatles. So he doesn't. he's not like a... He's more like a... So, uh <laughs>
0: There you go. Let me know in the comments down below if you're watching in Liverpool. Are oh, you a eh or an uh? <laughs> <laughs> we continue with this dramatic scene. Uh, Giggs is on a sofa with a football because he's a footballer you know. And Patrice Evra couldn't look more uncomfortable if he tried sat on the arm of a chair.
1: Is he well known? Famous throughout the world.
0: The fireball is approaching Old Trafford even what do they quicker. Say about him? They say he is a legend. (laughs) Goodness me! He's got a foot like a traction engine. He's exploded the goal at one end of Old Trafford. The ball is in the goal Well, the 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 meteors in the goal. The goal is on fire. An explosion's happening, and we're about to find out who this legend is. Who do you think the legend is? I mean, you you already know, don't you? You already know. That doesn't quite answer the question. Dennis Law. Dennis Dennis (laughs) Irwin with his a white pair of briefs on, just. stood there like that <laughs> let's find out who it is everybody Un Nuevo Diablo en el equipo is the name or the thing that's next to a bottle of Casillero del Diablo Cabernet Sauvignon from Chile mm-hmm. the, the mm. look that did you remember the look that Rudy does at the end after the, the, the goal explodes where he's just like and he looks up dramatically towards the camera it's, it's amazing. Oh, it's really, the really, good. Force, yeah. really, really good. Shame he let it down with his uh his, his 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 speaking work, we'll say, as I do each and every time I'm on a video. So I, I empathise Wayne
1: Rooney there for once. They say he is a legend. Um, talking of legends, one last on this day. <laughs> after he got sidetracked by great football acting skills. Uh, 2011 uh, on this day, which is, I forgot on the date, is it was a July 26th, whatever this It day, is, yes. You know what it is, yeah. Um, Chelsea completed the sign of Thibaut Courtois from Genk for around 8 million and then loaned him straight to Atletico Madrid where he won La Liga, Copa del Rey, Europa League and the Super Cup congratulations to him then he came back to Chelsea
0: usurped Petr Cech from his position then they had Petr mm. Cech and Courtois for a season didn't they and then C- yeah. Cech went off to Arsenal and just wasn't as good as he once was
1: I know but the prime Petr Cech
0: that, oh, I know oh, before but, before the injury we speak, we speak about this in a certain video coming to the channel next week don't we Jarkins <laughs> yeah we do
1: for that that's uh that's
0: climax on this yeah. <laughs> on this day, I pee freely. Uh, that's what that segment was. Let us know what you would <laughs> call the segment in the comments down below. Anyway, onto the football news of the past week. There was a video myself and Owen Morrison did on the channel a few days ago when the news broke. We broke down what was and still is and probably always will be a world record transfer bid, a world record sort of wage package, if you want, as Al Hilal offered three hundred million euros, two hundred and fifty nine million pounds for Kylian Mbappe the long term Real Madrid target has been put up for sale for PSG because they basically don't want him to leave for free next summer they want to recoup hey hey Le oh no that's not them what's the name of the magazine Recoup? Le Keep. Le keep. Le keep. Sounds nothing yeah. like Recoup, does it, Ross? You tit. Uh, but they've sent them home from their pre-season tour of Oops. Japan. They don't want to lose him for free, so things are starting to happen now. Uh, PSG apparently thought that uh, Kylian Mbappe had agreed a deal with Madrid to either leave this summer for a fee or next summer without a fee, but now Al-Hilal are swooping in there with the £259 million pound offer, but also the €700 million euro a year wage. Let's break it down, everybody. Body, it's 58.33 million euros a month, it's 13.3 million euros a week, it's 1.9 million euros a day, it's 79,900 euros an hour, it's 1,332 euros a minute, it's 22 euros a second. And the best thing about all of this is, Jarkins, it's all tax free.
1: That's ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous.
0: I don't know what to say, but me and Owen did go a full 15 minutes speaking about this offer, which is we're sat here on Wednesday. We're just recording this before it goes live. The Mbappe camp have yet to respond to the offer. The only thing we've seen from Kylian Mbappe himself is him replying with a series of laughter faces on the Twitter as I try and pronounce this basketball player's name, Giannis Antetokounmpo tweeted <laughs> Al Halal you can take me I look like killing Mbappe which he does a bit to be fair so if he gets the position up front I guess there'll be a bit of a size difference maybe I assume he's a big tall boy is Mr Giannis ca to... I can't even bother oh it doesn't matter do you want to give it a go his name uh, Giannis
1: and to Tim, I just call him Janus. <laughs> I haven't watched NBA properly in years. I know of him, though. He's meant to be very good. I heard the um, name.
0: Yeah, I remember the, the name m- being a thing a year or two ago for some reason. I don't know why it was.
1: I think he just burst onto the scene. Mika Richards we'll go- of the NBA. <laughs> but going back to Mbappe, rather than our new favourite basketball player, <laughs> they are absurd figures. Um, the fact that Mbappe this reported 700 million a year would be higher than Man United, Liverpool and Man City's wage structure for the year. Not combined, but just like individually for the top three biggest spending teams in the Premier League. It's ridiculous. Like it, it seems that every week we're talking about Saudi Arabia. Um what a time to start a podcast for us, by the way. At the end of <laughs> at the end, the close of the, the the season and as football's getting destroyed. Um at first, I thought, oh, this will be harmless. This will just be, you know, some old fellas going for one last, you know, bit of glory, but now they're going in. Mbappe? Uh, everything I've seen has kind of indicated that he's kind of been like, mm, I don't care if it's 700 million. I don't want to do this because I'm very, very good and it's still a bit of a joke league. So, I hope that his ambition comes before the paycheck. Because he's kind of He's going to make a ton of money Anyway, Oldie, 25? 25, 20,
0: 25 in December, yeah. I was saying this to you the other day. Like, even if he goes on a free transfer next summer, we all know that when a player goes on a free transfer, because there is no transfer fee, that means that money, or a large chunk of that money that would have been the transfer fee, goes into their wage packet instead. There was always that rumour when Jack Colback signed for Newcastle, who's getting paid more than Yohan Kabai was on, just because he arrived mm-hmm. on a free transfer. That's how free transfers work. But there is that chance, that lingering hope, he does say no, because we have seen a few, like what feels like watershed deals to the Saudi league like Milankovic Savage felt like one because he's 28, Ruben Neves felt like one because he's 26, Mm -hmm. this would be the biggest one they could possibly do because he is is the best player in the world at the moment but on the other side of the coin, if it's going to be just a one year contract for 700 million pounds I mean, I think I would, you know, <laughs> if if the option was there to earn seven hundred million for having a year off, essentially, and then go to Real Madrid at the end of it, I'd be, I'd, I'd just, I'd say yes, please, thank you. I'll, I'll just I'll, have, I'll have a year off in the sun. Why not?
1: The the, the two things I'm gonna play devil's advocate here because yeah, obviously, even if we were offered seven hundred, if we were millionaires already and offered seven hundred million for a year's work, the two things that would put me off would be if I'm going to this unestablished league. Who knows, some half-assed player who no one's ever heard of might wrap his studs around me knee and break me leg. Uh, and the other thing is, if he goes to Madrid next season and if the Saudi league does take off like people think, he can still play at the top level for another five, six years and then get a stupid fee from Saudi Arabia. So I think an offer like this for someone like Mbappe will always be on the table. I just hope he doesn't take it.
0: Oh no, that's the hope, that he just says no. But I think this, it opens up a wider issue for football, I think. Because so I think the governing bodies need to step in, because the Saudi, the lack of uh, legislation of their transfer dealings is now starting to become an issue. Because it is, it's a bit hypocritical for us as English fans, you know, Premier League fans to sit here and go, oh dear, a richer league is now taking the players we might want to say see play in our league. Oh damn it, we've been doing that for 30 years. So on one hand, it's a bit hypocritical to say this. But the sheer levels of money they can offer in comparison to what play, uh, teams over here who have to abide the financial fair play can offer because it's already bad enough that you know as a newcastle fan i've been on both sides of the coin over the past three or well, two or three years the team that has no money watching the team who has money spending the money we can't spend and now we have the money spending the money that other teams can't spend it's already bad enough on that level but when you throw in what the saudis can do now in terms of what we can do as a league i think something needs to there needs to be a global blanket put over the world of football where everybody at the top level has the same sort of financial fair play that can go by because it's starting Mm. to become a worry.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if there's anything about, um, like with the MLS, I think you're only allowed, or you were at one point, was it per team, X amount of players um, brought in from, like the kind of statement players. I think it used to be three, uh, maybe.
0: I don't know how many it is now, but it's still a rule. I saw Busquets is officially, and obviously Messi's, uh, in Miami's two or
1: three, whatever it is. Well, obviously, you know, they, they can, as we see with Messi, they can throw the cash around, but at least there's still a somewhat balance in the squads, and therefore in the league, it's not just going to be like, like we said before, football manager with the cheats on. I don't know, I don't trust the um football and authorities enough to actually do anything because they're barely fit for purpose as it is anyway, so well I don't know
0: and there was a thing Owen kept mentioning the other day he kept going like oh Saudi Arabia want a World <laughs> Cup and I was like oh I didn't know this was a thing I just kept nodding along as if I knew what I was talking about which is what I do all the time um, but I just like was like yeah it does make sense if FIFA want to get involved in a Saudi Arabian World Cup because obviously you would assume that would mean more money for FIFA than it, if a World Cup took place anywhere else in the world just because of the bottomless pit of money that whoever well the PIF, I guess is the, the big body yeah. over there that they have compared to the rest of the rest of the FIFA and World Cup.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. Um, are you right? Are you actually? Are you gonna? Are you gonna watch any of the Saudi nah. league? No. Nah. Nah.
0: There's no, I was saying this to only the day, I was like, even when Messi and Ronaldo were out there pomp in La Liga, you know, like the start of the 2010s and whatnot, I only still even then sat down, like actually like purposefully sat down to watch like, oh, it's on tonight, I'm going to sit down and watch it. Two or three times a season. If it was on and I was sat there having my tea on a Sunday, light, uh, Sunday night, sorry, Revista de La Liga comes on the television, that lad, um, I forgot his name now, Garrido, David Garrido's there presenting. Um, I was like, oh yeah, we'll stick it on and watch it because it's on and I'm sat down. But in terms of sitting down and watching, I, I can't. There's no intrigue for me at all, because like, obviously it's either players who are you know over the hill and past it, largely, um, or it's just... There's, I, I can't think of a reason to sit down and watch it. It's going to have to take a Newcastle player close to my heart to go there. And even, so, even if he does, Mr Maximan, I've just thought there, who is going to go there? I still don't think I'll sit down and watch him, even though I love the guy. I can't think of any sort of situation where the Saudi League will make me sit down and watch unless something else happens compared to what's been happening over the last little while.
1: Well, if they did something mad, like bring like Tino Esprero out of retirement. That's what, That's where we're talking. That's
0: where the money is. A Masters League. Do you remember Masters Football on Sky Sports? Yeah. If the Saudis yeah. did that and brought the Masters League back in the little blue pitch in the, inside the, an arena somewhere, that's where it's at. I remember going there as a kid, being like eight years old or something like that, and everyone was going "killer, killer, killer" towards Brian Kilcaine. I had no idea who he was at that age, but I was impressed because he looked like a wrestler with his big bushy beard and his big long hair, <laughs> and the fact that everyone was going "killer, killer, <laughs> killer" towards him. That's what you want from football, isn't it? Get the get the Masters League in Saudi. That's what we need to do.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah. it makes sense considering that, like all, all the old Premier League. Players are out there in management positions now. They all like going over there for a game of golf and stuff, don't they? So, yeah, Masters League. Let's let's do it. Let's let's submit a written proposal to turn the Saudi League into the Masters League with homegrown players too.
0: There's a, a maximum, a minimum age of 39 that you have to be. Anyone younger than 39, not interested. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jason McAteer is going to go over and just absolutely
0: tear it up. <laughs> was it him and Mike alone who had then had a fight in one, like fairly recently, in the last 10 years or so? There was some sort of Masters game where I'm sure it was McAteer and Mike alone. McAteer and someone? I
1: don't
0: know. It was definitely McAteer. Which sort of scouts is he? Is he an A eh or an O? He's an A. Eh. Oh, in the middle? Yeah. A new brand. There's three different ones. Yeah. There's an eh, an uh, er, yeah. and an
1: U. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Former, former uh, Trammy Rovers legend Jason McAteer, that is, yeah. Macum, Macum bastard. Right, we'll move on, because there was a big
0: game overnight. Uh, Manchester United goalkeeper punctures the lung of Wrexham's Paul Mullen during a friendly game. Uh, an inexperienced Manchester United side, it should be said, lost 3-1 to Wrexham in that friendly. Mullen has suffered, he was substituted early on. I thought it was quite late in the game, but it wasn't. It was quite early on, apparently, with that punctured lung. Uh, the Red, uh, Red Devils were later reduced to 10 men in the fiery encounter when Man United midfielder Dan Gore was sent. What a great name for a midfielder. Go! Go! The wrestling thing's coming again. Uh, set off for a dangerous challenge on Wrexham's Andy Cannon. Uh, Eric Ten Hag sister. Andy Pri- Cannon. Hang on, Andy Cannon as well. That's amazing. <laughs> That's like the Pro Evolution Soccer name for Andy Carroll, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Up front for Newcastle. Number nine, Andy Cannon. Uh, Eric Tenhard insisted uh, prior to Saturday's win against Arsenal that his teams do not play friendly games. And that ominous warning came back to bite his side on the arse during Tuesday's loss. Wrexham's manager, Phil Parkinson, was fuming after the game. He says, I'm fuming about the challenge on Paul Mullen. I've got to be honest with you. It was a clumsy, reckless challenge in a pre-season game and I'm not happy with it at all. I've seen the goalie and he's probably best steering clear of us for the time being because we're not very happy. I reckon he could take down Ryan Reynolds, but that Rob McElhetty with his muscles, I don't think he could. <laughs> yeah, I'd,
1: uh, I'd seen that Parkinson looked like he wanted to batter this goalkeeper. He was he was redder than Fergie's nose used to be back in the day. <laughs> yeah, he really was. I mean it's it's a bad injury for anyone, but for Wrexham to lose Paul Mullen, that's it's really you couldn't think of a worse player for them to, to, to lose, really, could you? No. Nah. That is just like killing a Bat bear leaving yeah, Paris Saint Germain. Yeah, true, yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say? But uh, I was going to say beforehand um, that like, fair play on Man United for playing the kids because when Chelsea played Rex on the other, they have got <laughs> a full strength
0: squad. Yeah, to be Which fair, to though, that, that was still quite kid heavy, if that makes any sense yeah. to you, because they have sold that many players. There was any Gallagher, the new lad up front, Miss Jackson. Chalaba yeah. was there as well. Miss Jackson Miss Jackson from Villarreal I'm sorry Miss Jackson but
1: uh, yeah getting back to it it was was a clumsy yeah clumsy challenge Um,
0: it's not as bad as Phil Parkinson was making out though I've got to say it was late clumsy but I think Mullen's been very unlucky to have suffered the injury he suffered because you see that happen not every game but you see it a fair few times a season where the keeper just sort of runs out and shoulder barges the striker who nicks the ball past him
1: yeah i've yes. seen um a source statement from the, the keeper in question whose name uh, obviously escapes me and i didn't write down <laughs> but he basically said that, you know he, he didn't mean anything by it he's tried reaching out to paul months like sorry and all that kind of stuff uh, but obviously hasn't heard back from the wrexham camp because like phil Parkinson said there he wants to rip his teeth out but uh yeah just clumsy clumsy at the end of the day I believe the the goalkeeper's name was Dave
0: Batista. That's the size it of the guy. D- yes,
1: it was. Yes, it was. great
0: spear on the man. <laughs>
1: uh, Fellow <of> Manchester
0: United <laughs> news saw their kit launch happen this week. They saw Arsenal's horrible new away kit and said, "Hold me, Glazers," as they released an even worse one. There, it was a. Uh, there's a reason for it looking so horrible. I'm sure you have seen it, Jarkins, with the the stripy number, uh, the green mm. and the slightly smaller stripe, and then the stripe within the stripe doesn't look very nice at all. Uh, the the Red Devils changed strips at the start of the 20th century uh, to feature stripes with various colours, while green and Gold and blue and white combinations proved popular on away kits in the 1990s. Mm. It's still crap though, even with that even with that reasoning. Arsenal, sorry, Adidas are having a bit of a mare this summer.
1: Yeah, that that United one, it looks it looks like a fake kit. Mm. There's something about it, just doesn't look real. It looks a bit knockoff. It's like someone tried printing a Juventus kit and ran out of black ink. <laughs> um as for the Arsenal one, on first impressions I didn't mind the but then I looked closer and I saw the blue in there and the contrasting bits and that it wasn't a yellow, it was more of a kind of piss green. I was like, okay, maybe it's not great. I do think the Arsenal one will become a cult favourite in years, though. Oh, I'm yeah, that's how it, it
0: always works. You win a few games in that kit and it becomes... It's like us with the Brazil one a few years ago. Johan Kamai, hmm. that sort of stuff. We're Literally like a Brazil white socks, blue shorts, yellow top. It wasn't very nice, but it was bloody... We won a few games in it.
1: I know the one you mean, yeah. Yeah. Iconic.
0: Yeah. And then you got the Bananarama one for Newcastle as well. You got the Liverpool ones that were horrible, but also cult classics?
1: Well, oh, uh, I think it's the 98, 99 one, which um, the bright, bright yellow one. I can just, see, I can just see Michael Owen in it. Um, that's a cult classic as well. I, I don't know if it was well regarded at the time. I remember my cousin getting it on his birthday. Cause I like, get, it came out at the same time. We've had some crap away kits for a few years now, apart from last season's one, which was the cream one, which was lovely. Yeah, but we're just a grey one or a green one, and we're happy. Just don't fart around a bit. Don't go too jazzy. Just give us something nice. But at least it's not yeah Arsenal's piss green or United's knockoff stripes
0: knock off stripes Uh, but I did ask I've pulled it round this week because I don't know if anyone's seen this one but Roma's new away kit the cream number oh there's a bit of a textured pattern on there there's no sponsor which is always a plus for a football kit it's just bloody lovely
1: yeah you sent this to me and it's it is nice Roma is one of those teams as well with the home kits because of that shade of burgundy, there's something about it, they just always look nice. But this white kit, yeah, really nice. It, Classy. You, understated. I remember when, was it a few years ago when they had like their
0: own in house sponsor for a kit like manufacturer. It wasn't even like a proper manufacturer, but even then their kits look nice. Yeah, I forget what the, they were actually called. It I might picture the badge, but I can't think of what it was. Anyway, it looked Roma kits look nice. There's some big breaking news on the podcast today. Uh, Fulham <laughs> this week have rejected a 50 million pound bid from West Ham for João Palhinha, who suffered what is apparently a dislocated shoulder during a pre-season game against Brentford a couple of days ago. Which looks like any move for him this summer probably can't happen now because of your medicals and whatnot. But then again, mm. you hear you listen to podcasts like Under the caution and it, it, it appears the football medicals, at least in the football. league aren't even a thing really so maybe it's different in the premier league who knows but you would assume he can't now pass a medical which means any move from fulham will not happen which is good news for fulham
1: because he's a very good player he's a very good player 50 million seems i was gonna say it seems high but the the, the prices are all over the shop for like the last 10 months haven't they really um if he did go to west ham that'd be a, a hell of a signing for them but fair play to fulham for sticking to the guns but like you said dislocated shoulder it's one of those weird ones where he could be out for not long at all or he could be out for absolutely ages so we'll have to wait and see and uh, i guess with west ham as well the
0: thing you got to worry about if you're a fan of them is the west ham tax that i assume is going to be on all transfer deals now this summer now that everybody knows they've got 115 million schmackers in their bank account
1: that's probably why Fulham have done it. They're just like, oh, we could probably rinse these for at least a good 65 million. <laughs>
0: Had, a co- Had a 10 million fee on, why the hell not? Mm. Uh, sticking mm. with Fulham, Alexander Mitrovic went on strike base this week because Tony Khan was like, we want £7,000,000 for you, young boy. You're not going anywhere near Saudi Arabia. And he was like, oh, family members, I'm not having that. I'm staying home bollocks to you Tony Khan uh, but now Al Halal it looks like they're going to make their third bid for the 28 year old of around about £50 million pounds. in more seriousness I think it was about £52 million pounds, Tony Khan slapped on Mitrovic's head not literally <laughs> imagine doing that he wouldn't live to tell the tale would he um, in his place Fulham have already replaced Mitrovic even though he hasn't officially left the club as we're sat here right now uh, with Wolves' Raul Jimenez for £5.5 32 years old obviously bags of Premier League, experiences, uh, bag- bags of Premier League experience Jack Atkins with a stat Tier, 57 in 166 for Wolves across five seasons but I've got to say it remains to be seen if he's the same, the same player who got those goals after the, the horrible head injury that he got obviously he's, he's, a, he's a swashbuckling centre forward I guess we'll say um, yeah. <laughs> or he was before his injury because obviously he now has to wear the head gear there's always going to be that trepidation I assume if you go through something like that and it comes to head in the football which you have to do multiple times a game the way he plays the game if he's going to be the same player because last season he got no goals in 15 appearances in the Premier League, so it's a bit of a it, it, mm. if if you look look at the deal like a couple of years ago, it's like oh yeah, it's a very good shrewd signing by Fulham, that, you know, a bit of a stopgap until they maybe find like a younger model to fill Mitrovic's boots. But now with that injury there just lingering, um, yeah, it remains to be seen.
1: Yeah, like like you were saying, as a stopgap or as a, a backup striker, especially for five million, you'd say it's worth a punt. Um, I didn't realise he was as old as he was as well. Mm. Um, He's one of those players that, what, 166 appearances across five seasons for Wolves? It feels like he's been around for longer than that. Um, As for Mitrovic, if I were Fulham, I would take the 50 million because when he's on, he's incredible, but he's such a patchy player. He's just all over the place, isn't he? And 50 million, I'd probably get him someone... Decent from, I don't know, the Dutch league or something that we've only heard of once or twice. He'll come over and be an absolute revelation. Who
0: knows? Jan Venegur of Hessling. It's got to happen. Mm. Klaus Jan Hunterla. That's what I'm talking I about. Loved <laughs> I, I loved Klaus Jan Hunterla.
1: I thought he I remember
0: him. we played Herenveen in the UEFA Cup in like 2004 5 season, I think it would have been. And he was, oh, I was terrified of him. We beat them, like, but I was terrified of him.
1: He was one of those players that every time there was a, a transfer window, I'd just say to him, be like, hey, tell you what, do you know who we should buy? Right there, right there. He'll solve everything for us. Never happened.
0: Afonso Alves as well. Let's throw his name in the mix as well.
1: <laughs> not Alfonso.
0: Not Alfonso. Alfonso. I used to do, my, I used to do my head in that. I, there must, That must be a mistake on the birth certificate, surely. Alfonso.
1: Well, I mean, we, we can't comment with such, you know, hard to pronounce uh, exotic names like Ross and Jack, can we? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, Anyway, Newcastle
0: have signed Harvey Barnes this week as well as Alan St. Maximan looks set to go... Well, he is in Saudi Arabia for his medical with Al Ali. Uh, Barnes signs for £38 million on a five-year contract, so I reckon if Newcastle can get at least 30 of that back for Alan St. Maximan, that would represent good business because at the end of the day, Alan St. Maximan is not a player who works in any house system. I saw a, a journalist this week saying, Maximan's a guy who works well for a bad manager but doesn't work well for a good manager. <laughs> he had yeah. the bad manager who just said... Either you play up, up past the halfway line and we'll kick the ball to your bacon. Oh. And then we had a good manager who was like, oh, we need you to track back down there, Alan said, Max and We need you to have like different phases of play and, you know, uh, take up positions and whatnot. And it didn't quite work.
1: No. Um, <laughs> like you said as well, Um, if if it would essentially be a, a swap and 8 million-ish, you know, for Harvey Barnes, it's, Harvey Barnes would probably run through brick walls for... um. Eddie howe. eddie howe Eddie <laughs> Howe. i thought phil parkinson on the brain i was like it's not phil parkinson um yeah i think i think that's it's a good move all around um it's what you want from a transfer if you can see one player and be like how can we upgrade on that player yeah i, I don't how do you feel about it because obviously alan's a, a cult cool figure and will go down as a poor figure for years to come at Newcastle but how do you
0: feel? If I'm sitting here before Eddie Howe arrived at Newcastle I'm like oh my god this is the worst thing that's ever happened to my football club but now actually going to games again and, and, and looking at how Eddie Howe's team sets up and just how Max Man just he's not that guy It's he's a wonderfully talented footballer he's the reason you go to a football game he's an entertainer a guy who gets you out of your seat, he's worth the admission fee, all those sort of stuff. Um, but in terms of like a team who wants to have an identity and have a pattern of play and push from the front and never stop running, he's not that guy at all. So to move him on is fair enough. Um, and again, end product is another thing. Well, I say Maximan last season; it was blighted by injury season last season, but he still scored less than Dan Byrne got in all competitions, <laughs> while Harvey Barnes got thirteen or fourteen goals in the Premier League, whatever it was. Um, so end product, it's 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 night and day. It's a transfer. By the way, the fact that Premier League have asked to interfere in this transfer, just to say, like, oh, this doesn't look quite nice, this while Nottingham Forest are doing all their business with their other club, Olympia Arcos and other things like that. I'm sure there's endless examples of it happening. What? Why? why pick on us, eh? I want you to just... It's a rhetorical question, but <laughs> why pick on us when multiple teams around the world are doing the same thing?
1: Yeah, I, I I have felt a bit sorry for Newcastle for that because as soon as that takeover was confirmed, you were put under the microscope for you know obvious reasons. But a little, I'm not even going to say too much scrutiny. It's the fact that you're not that other teams aren't held to the same amount of bollocks that you are. Yeah, the the,
0: the Nottingham Forest ones, the big one in the Premier League, they just they literally just swap players with Arcos because their mm-hmm. owner owns Arcos as well. It's it's disgusting. I mean, I can see. I can see why. You know, the reasons are obvious. I'm being a bit uh, being a bit silly with this one, but it's just just the fact that nothing's been said before. And the first time Newcastle do any sort of dealings with Saudi Arabia, well, you'd have to say, by the way, they're getting. You know, I think 30 million, if that's what he's going for, is far, uh, far, their uh, fair market value for Alan St. Maximan. Yeah. Surely.
1: Um. So I don't
0: know. We'll see. Yeah, what if he was going.
1: If he's going for like eighty-five million, I'd be like, mm, let's let's have a word here. But like you said, the, the market is completely skewed at the moment. So yeah, thirty million to anywhere for um, some Maxman seems fair. But it just happens to be that he's going to Saudi Arabia, and everyone's got the knickers there for it. Was it
0: Ekuale um, Bali who went for like sixty million this summer for thirty? When well, he was like thirty-two years old, I just made that up at the top of my head, he's definitely got. Oh it, no, 7, 7, seventeen million. I do apologise. He must have got signed for sixty odd million last summer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's that argument out the window. Anyway, we'll move on before I make even more a tit myself. Aston Villa have completed the signing of winger Musa Diaby from Bayer Leverkusen for a club record fee. Of over 50 million pounds. Uh, Saudi Arabian Giants, this news article said. Al Nasser, the one that Ronaldo plays for, were also interested in Diaby and ended up a little bit of a bidding war with Villa. But the 24 year old declined a move to the Middle East in favour of linking up with Unai Embry at Villa Park. He's their third signing of the summer following Yuri Tielemans on a free and centre back Paul Pau Torres from Villa Real. And now this is a guy who's been linked with Newcastle for. Well, basically, ever since the takeover happened, he got linked with Arsenal as well. So he's clearly got something about him. That's all I know about him. Never seen him play. Not going to pretend I've seen him play. He's a winger. He's got pace and tricks. I assume it's a good signing for Aston Villa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can assume as much. Like, If if he's coming from um, Leverkusen, 50 million, you hear those and you think, oh, well, he can't just be some complete knobhead, can he? Uh Villa have really been going for it in this transfer window. If everything clicks, like it did at the end of last season, I think there will be minimum pushing top six. Yeah, I think it will
0: as well. Emery's a yeah. good manager. I think Emery's one of those managers who might be. He's obviously the job at Arsenal might have been a bit too big. He might be one of those managers, but a club like Villa where they're sort of fighting from underneath in terms of like the the top six that sort of suits him yeah. down to the ground, doesn't it? And that's where that's where he should be.
1: Yeah, and he, he seems like he's he's got some harmony in that dressing room as well. So, like you're saying here, if uh, DRB wanted to work with Emery, if that was one of the things that brought him over, then, yeah, banging.
0: Because we played them the other day in a pre-season friendly, found ourselves 2-0 down in 13 minutes, ended 3-3 in the end. It was a lovely game to watch. Um, but because uh, New, Newcastle were playing at back three, because Newcastle's got Villa on the opening day of the season. So I think Eddie Howe was trying to, you know, throw them a red herring. By playing three at the back, and it just didn't work. <laughs> it was really bad. They cut us up in like a turkey on Christmas morning. Uh, it was yeah, but they are a very good team. We got we got ripped to shreds by them uh, last season, like sort of springtime at Villa Park. We got beat three 0 It was disgusting. Did they, how did Liverpool fare against them last season? Post Gerrard, remember? You can't, I can't remember. remember. You should be able to remember. Uh, I want to say a draw. Oh yes, it was at Anfield. I predicted that one. that's that's why I remember that one I think it's one of the only predictions I got right towards the end of last season
1: (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah I mean I I still thought that when Gerrard was taken over I thought oh they're going to go absolutely flying but no it was Unai Emery they got them ticking into the uh, team that they arguably should have been anyway yeah yeah but as, yeah. as you were saying about pre-season, though, that's what pre-season's for. It's for dicking around with formations and seeing what works and puncturing Paul Mullins' lung. That's what pre-season's for. Have <laughs> you seen this Premier League series in America at the minute? There's been
0: bare goals. Bare goals. Let me find the stats um, while you
1: talk about... Do you want to talk about the weather or something? Yeah, it's, you know, we had a, a bit of sun this morning here and then it's raining again. Yeah. <laughs> Right. The, so the that... only... Go on. No, what were going to say? The, the, the only bit of pre-season I've seen so far is um, Liverpool's game the other day. I caught the second half of it and Darwin Nunes was just romping about having the time he was like... Ah, you against the all... German second division side. You can't have that one. <laughs>
0: I know, of course. It's,
1: like I said, it's pre-season at the end of the day, but I just I just like seeing them. It's like seeing a horse on the field. It's amazing. <laughs> is that the one where it ended like
0: 4-4 against the German second was... division side? Yeah. You yeah. crap. Anyway, Premier <laughs> League summer series over in America started off with Chelsea 4, Brighton 3. Then we had Fulham 3, Brentford 2, Newcastle 3, Aston Villa 3. Wolverhampton 1. 4-5, <laughs> uh. five. East 5-4. Five, East 5-4, five, four. Wow. Four, 5 Uh the, the second round of games is today by the way, just in case you are in America. Brent- uh, Brentford will take on Brighton. Fulham We'll take on Aston Villa tomorrow. So Brentford's today, Fulham's tomorrow. Then Newcastle versus Chelsea tomorrow at 1:15 a.m. I will not be there. Oh, we'll be there. I've got. I might be there. I'm at wed- I'll be drunk watching. There, I'll be drunk tomorrow. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I'll be there watching at 1:15 a.m. in my wedding suit. Got a grey number this time, Jack. And so you wanna see me tie? I'm matching with me grey suit. Let me have a look. I got it off Amazon for £9. It came with a tie, a tie clip, cufflinks, and a, 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 a pocket square for £9. Ooh. Look at this with a grey a suit. Oh, yes. It oh, looks yes. a lot more expensive than £9, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the is, is it a, a matching pocket square? Yeah, it's, there's, there's your pocket square. Ooh. There's, there's, your, there's your, your, your cufflinks and tie clip. What a bargain for £9.
1: I tell you what, you know, after this wedding's done, I think you should become one of those guys who carries a hanky and just use that pocket square and just start dabbing yourself, make that your thing. (laughs) I could deal
0: with somebody. I'm such a sweaty man these days. It's disgusting. Anyway, speaking of sweaty men, a German reporter brought a Bayern Munich shirt with Harry Kane's name on the back to Ange Postecoglou's press conference the other day. And Big Ange, which I assume is what the uh, the Spurs fans are calling him right now, was not happy about. it. Obviously, Bayern Munich have seen two bids rejected so far this summer for Harry Kane. Uh, Tottenham want to keep him with the risk of losing him on a free next summer. And said to the reporter, who held up this, the, the shirt before the conference began, then sat down with it sort of next to him. I think it was where it was. Uh, did you get a good laugh there? You've come a long way for that. Uh, thank you very much he said (laughs) he seems like a man I would not want to piss off
1: yeah uh, I hate this kind of journalism as well I've banged on in my private life before about uh, journalists who try to make themselves the story rather than what the actual story is and it's just what, what was he expecting was going to happen? Was he expecting Andrew's going to say, you're fantastic, come on, join our press team, we'll make you the head. In fact, no, I'll get a call into Real Madrid. No, FIFA, I'll make you the head of FIFA. <laughs>
0: Hit. Rumours <laughs> have it, the general report now has a Netflix comedy special coming out in about three months' time. Oh, OK. Not really, I just I don't know what's mm. happening to him. He's probably been sacked. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know. you Will he go, though, do you reckon? It's still rumbling on.
1: I think so. I've seen a lot more, I know it's United fans are, are, are trying to push that button again and being like, come on, sign, bring Kane in, bring Kane in. I think if United were actually thinking about bringing Kane in, they wouldn't have given Bruno Fernandes the captaincy. Mm. So if he does move, yeah, by me it just makes sense. And then Shearer's record will be intact and you can sleep soundly once more. Yeah, it does
0: mean a, it means a lot to me that record. It really does. <laughs> Until we win something, that's all we've got. Anyway, Chelsea confirmed the departure of Pierre Emerick Aubameyang to Marseille on a free transfer. He leaves Chelsea after just one season. He joined towards the end of the summer 22, uh, 2022 transfer window, where he was he, where he thought he was reuniting with his former Borussia Dortmund manager Thomas Tuchel. But the German was sacked a few days after he was arrival. Uh, Twenty one appearances he managed, no competition for Chelsea, and he scored three goals. All of which came within the space of 10 days of each other back in October. So at the end of October, you're probably thinking, oh, yeah, pretty good signing there for Chelsea. Then he did nothing else.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been one of the most uh, underwhelming arrivals to the Premier League. Um, oh, that's harsh. I, no, I... His first couple of years at Arsenal, he was the dog's bollocks. Yeah, but considering what we'd seen before from him, I was expecting him to still be going. Obviously, it's all players drop off, but I was expecting, you know, the absolute fireworks of Obama young But yeah, um, 34, uh, one of
0: them. Mikel Arteta justified, though, after that Amazon documentary. Got him out the club, didn't like his chutzpah, his mantra, his way of life. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> You made Mikel Arteta sound like a Lion King character then as well. A Matata, get out, you bitch! Don't want you around here. Uh, but yeah, he got rid of him because he was a, a, a bit of a a flash Charlie, one of those ones. But uh, he, it seems has been proven right because he's, he's not going to do anything since leaving Arsenal. I think Arsenal got a pretty penny, didn't they, from Chelsea, uh, from Chelsea for his signature? I assume. I imagine sorry yeah. Oh yeah, no, because he was a so. he was a Barcelona,
1: wasn't he? I'm talking nonsense again, Jackins oh crap yeah and then um, everything with the finances came because didn't he want to stay and they were just like um, can you kind of pay us to play it and yeah, I, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember how much Barcelona paid for him
0: now but I assume it was
1: a nice age Age is a bastard isn't it Ross? Age is is a
0: bastard. I'm 31 next week it's a slippery slope that keeps getting slippier. Who's not 31 (laughs) years old I try to look for a segue for every news story is Lavia from Southampton. Uh, Liverpool have had their first offer rejected by Southampton for the midfield stalwart uh, for £35 million plus add-ons but a fresh bid was made today according to our lord and saviour Fabrizio Romano who tweeted understand Liverpool new formal bid for Romeo Lavia or Romeo Lavia has is almost ready, around 42.5 million guaranteed fee, plus 2.5 million add ons, up to a 45 million package. Now, obviously, we haven't seen too much of him as football fans who don't support Southampton and watch Southampton every week. But I've got to say, when he came to St James's part, which is likely to go off, he was a head and shoulder above the rest of that Southampton team.
1: Yeah, uh, obviously, he's young. He's not had a great amount of experience, but enough experience at the end of the day. You'd think 40. 2 to 45 million seems a bit high but like we said inflated market he's young and I think either next season or the season after when he gets to a certain age he'd be registered as a homegrown player because he's done so much of his training and Liverpool were dying out for homegrown players so I think that's part of it Um, we've been linked with him all summer it had gone quiet for a couple of weeks but now it's ramping up again so yeah Um, I'd, I'd like to see him as an understudy but we don't know what's happening with our dm situation so which we'll come on to in a minute well yeah one's gone
0: one could be going but lavia i've just looked at his birthday here the 6th of january 2004
1: he's younger than my niece and nephew
0: i had pubes then (laughs) my pubic area is older well not just the pubic area but that doesn't matter. Shut up, Ross. He's young. That's all we're saying here. <laughs> Our own mortality is becoming hard at the grasp every single day. Anyway, the organisation behind the Premier League's Rainbow Laces campaign, Stonewall, have issued a statement ahead of Jordan Henderson's proposed move to the Saudi Pro League. It's not even proposed anymore. He's already training with them, isn't he? Al, Al yeah. Etty, you know what? Uh, the 33-year-old is reuniting with Steven Gerrard at Al Etty, you know what? After a deal was agreed with Liverpool for that long-serving captain, as he could earn close to... One hundred thousand pounds a day in wages, inclusive of bonuses, he could earn while he's out there. One hundred thousand pounds a day, a day. According to 90-minute uh, football, who are quite a reputable source with Graham Bailey and people like that, a hundred thousand pounds a day.
1: Oh yeah, cause he, yeah, yeah. Because it was seven hundred ish a week was being banded around, wasn't it? I've also had three fifty, but tax free at the end of the day. A lot of money, anyway. A lot of money. Uh,
0: Henderson's uh, proposed switch ge- well, has generated a huge interest because of his vocal support uh, for the LGBTQ plus community. In the past, obviously, homosexuality is punishable by death in Saudi Arabia, which is where he's going to play his football as it violates the country's laws. But um, somebody has... Sp- uh, was uh, Robbie DeSantos has spoken out about this. He is the... Uh, the oh, Who the hell was he? The Director of External Affairs for Stonewall. He said, we are grateful to Jordan Henderson for using his platform to stand up for LGBTQ plus inclusion in sports and fitness, including we- uh, by wearing our rainbow laces. In the 10 years since our campaign started, public attitudes towards LGBTQ plus people in sport have imp- improved considerably, and it's all thanks in small part uh, to a bold allyship uh, from athletes such as Henderson. I guess the main sort of sentiment there is a nice way to look at it, that you could go there and sort of ch- start to change things in the way that's, you know what I'm... It's going to be a really hard position for Henderson to be in. That's all I'm thinking. Yeah,
1: it's yeah because if Saudi Arabia want to, you know, the all this talks of sports washing across all different types of sports. If they're trying to present this new image of the country, they're trying to present themselves as a kind of more modernized country. Then we are going to need to see. People trying to change attitudes. I know some attitudes have changed around there with regards to like women's rights and stuff like that, but still a long way to go. I was talking to someone about this the other day, and they were saying that Henderson could speak up about it. It, it could end up being a positive thing to have someone over there willing to, you know, be a kind of vocal or at least a, a you know a presence for. Stonewall and all these other LGBTQ plus charities and organisations, but it's it's a tough it's a tough situation for Jordan Henderson to be in as he sleeps on his pile of money. But yeah, it's we we've gone over it in previous previous episodes. It's it's just a bastard.
0: Yeah, I'd love, I'd love for true. it to be a, a, like a, obviously when the rainbow laces campaign sort of has its time every single season where the players put them on the corner flags um, are all changed and whatnot over here in the Premier League. If he was to do something similar in the Saudi League, hopefully he can do something like that. But then again, it's 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 the law over there, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, it's as we say, it's a really tough situation to be in for him. Hopefully he can do something like that and just that's just Sturmer sort of trying to make the best of a, a horrible situation for them with the obviously the statements that Henderson's made quite publicly in the past.
1: Yeah, if, if if he is able to do anything like that to reiterate his support for these causes, then you know, I'll uh take back some of the stuff I've said about this transfer. I mean, if he he's made his bed, he's gotta kind of sleep in it, if you know what I mean. So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't know
0: if you finished your sentence there. Anyway, more Liverpool to Saudi Arabia transfer news potentially here because Fabinho, when I was in Benidorm, he had agreed to move to uh, Saudi Arabia, but now it was al Ittihad he agreed he's moved to. Uh, but the, apparently there was an issue relating to the payment structure of al Ittihad's offer. Uh, the Brazilian is now expected to, re- to return to Liverpool training until the situation is resolved. Uh, the 29-year-old's got three years left on his Anfield contract and was previously given permission to undergo a medical with the Saudi champions and join up with the likes of Benzema. Cante and Nuno Espirito Santo um there was rumors that his dog was illegal in Saudi Arabia now you've got your ear to the ground in that city tell me more about this situation
1: what my ears to the ground in Saudi Arabia in the, the People's Republic of <laughs> Liverpool where Frenchies are allowed <laughs> yeah <laughs> you see, apparently I, I think it's been kind of shot down um that he's, he's got French bulldogs and they are banned in Saudi Arabia outright. I think, I don't know if it's a blanket ban on all kinds of bulldogs. Right. Because obviously, if, if you've ever met a Frenchie, the softest as bollocks, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're, they're banned for being dangerous animals. So I assume it's just kind of like squat dogs, like bulldogs and pit bulls in general kind of thing. But um, if I I wouldn't, as much as, you know, $40 million for a 29-year-old, Fabinho, whose legs looked like they'd gone last season, was nice, and obviously Liverpool have signed off on it. All parties have agreed to it. It's just trying to get that last few hurdles. Um, if we do get Lavia, and even if we keep Fabinho for another season, I'd kind of be in favour of that because um, mm-hmm. he showed that when he when he had a bit of a rest last season, when he was dropped in favour of Stefan Bajcetic, give him a bit of a rest, let him kind of you know heal up and. Get his get his engines going again, and he could still play. Yeah, obviously wasn't the Fabinho of three seasons ago, where he's an absolute destroyer. But if we could keep him for another season and bed in Lavia if that deal goes through, and continue Bajatic if we're going to tr- keep trying to play him in the six, I think that's that'd be great.
0: Yeah. But
1: on the other hand, forty million would also be great. So because you could go <laughs> get is. somebody else, younger, younger model, couldn't you, for that sort of money, surely? Exactly I think it's a win-win For Liverpool There was rumours In the week That when This deal to Ale had started Going on shaky ground There was rumours That Bayern Munich Were just like we'll And we were just like Alright Okay Let's let's see how this uh, All pans out then. Yeah Bayern Munich With them They love an experienced Premier League player Don't they and They love it yeah uh, the, anyone else they should be like oh 29 is a bit old the German league is just like oh nice
0: no, he's in his prime bring him in <laughs> <laughs> uh, Man United news once again now because they complete the sign of Andre Onana this week for around 47.2 million pounds on a five year deal from it at Milan and he's chosen to wear the number 24 shirt he was expected to be handed the number one shirt cause obviously David De Gea left the, uh, left the club at the end of the season there uh, in a horrible way a horrible disrespectful way to treat a club legend such as David De Gea but Onana instead has taken the 24 shirt that he's worn at Ajax and at Inter. Uh, Onana is the first Red Devils player to take the number 24 shirt since Timothy Fosu-Mensa who left the club to play for Bayer Leverkusen in 2021. Um, I think Wesley Brown uh, wore the 24 shirt for a number of years before he switched to a 6. And I also believe that Darren Fletcher loved the
1: 24 shirt for all of his time at Old Trafford. It's the famous Man United 24. They always go on about the famous number seven. No, sir, it's the famous 24. It is the famous uh, 24. I'm surprised it's taken the, this long to finally complete the deal because it's been rumbling on for weeks now, hasn't it?
0: That's how Man United do business, though, isn't it? They take ages to get stuff done. Ages. That's true, yeah. <laughs> it's, everything's protracted. They love a protractor, don't they? That's how protractors they, they work. <laughs> what am I talking about? Get your protractor you also love, out.
1: <laughs> they love a set square and they love the half a... Circle one. Aye, uh, and a ruler. Yeah, a ruler.
0: Yeah. Eric Ten Hag loves a ruler. I don't know why. Uh, I have also confirmed that Bruno Fernandes is the new club captain at the end of the season. Obviously, Harry Maguire was stripped of the captain's armband last weekend after falling down the pecking order uh, under Eric Ten Hag, just eight Premier League appearances last season for Harry Maguire. Uh, but the Portugal international, this is Bruno Fernandes, was basically the on- on-field captain last season. He was the captain in the Carabao Cup final, uh, the captain in the FA Cup final. He was the on-field captain while Harry Maguire sat on the bench. I hate Bruno Fernandes. I hate Bruno (laughs) Fernandes. He's a little rat, isn't he? Um,
1: I'm surprised they've made him captain because he he gives me the impression he's one of those players that... We saw at Liverpool against Man United last year. If things aren't going his way, he throws a hissy fit and surely that kind of mercurial personality you don't want trying to be the voice of reason if things are all kicking off. Yeah, Um, And like like I mentioned before, I, I... I think if Manu were to make a concrete offer to Harry Kane, they would have kept the captaincy free, because they couldn't sign him and put him straight
0: in as captain, could they? He's not
1: that. You can't do
0: that kind. That would that would upset the apple cart.
1: Yeah, but if it, the amount of money they'd be paying for him, the amount of money you would be on England captain as well, I think there'd be enough in there where they'd be like, okay, I can't. I, I guess, yeah. Big news about Harry Kane by the way. This week he did very well on hot ones. He
0: was struggling with the first wing, but he made it all the way through. And fair play to him. As an English man who obviously doesn't have a very good palate because none of us do over here, do we? All of our food is crap, isn't it, America? All of it's rubbish. The fact he made it through all the way and didn't even cry too much. He's a testament to, to, to king and country.
1: Yeah, and this is a man who thinks that. May- <laughs> Harry Kane's a man who thinks that mayonnaise is spicy as well. So, yeah. <laughs> prove
0: Just as a leader, I can't. I uh, I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of a Manchester United player. I can't follow that man as a leader of my football team because he spends that much time on the floor but never gets injured. He's a fraud, a fraud and a shyster.
1: Who Who else in? Rashford, maybe.
0: Or give it to Casemiro. Give Casamira. it to Ericsson, Varane, yeah.
1: Luke I think Shaw. Give yeah, there.
0: Give it to O'Nana. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Anyway, more more, more Manchester United news because this week they've also signed Johnny Evans and Eric Ten Hag has explained why the bloody hell they've signed a 35-year-old on a short-term deal that runs out before the Premier League season even gets going. Uh, Obviously, Evans spent 11 years on the books at Manchester United, previously playing 198 games between 2004 and 2015. Eric Ten Hag has been speaking to MUTV and he said he came to train with us to work on his fitness and when I said, yeah... That's like, what's that? that's what Usher says, isn't it? And when I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not all the players are in. <laughs> internationals are out, still having their break. So I thought it was a good idea to help each other out. Johnny can work on his fitness and he can help us out. So he's just there to fill the numbers in until the Internationals come back and he'll be booted out to find a new club.
1: Yeah, because we were theorising that it's, it's slightly saves his bush, doesn't it? them bringing him in as trialist or whatever. But fine. I, Manu, the... An odd team they can spend their money however they like it that even means making johnny evans a part of the squad again for i oh don't know that pre-season tour, then fair play to them. I think Hope he was. The
0: Johnny Evans. up the Johnny Evans. well he's a Macamini. He? He's a Mac. He started his career in Sunderland, didn't he? well he had a loan at Sunderland at the start of his career. Macam dirty mackham bastard. Um, but he was part of the team that lost to Wrexham. Part of the the young gaggle of youths that the 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 the, the, the that represented Manchester United today, wasn't he Johnny Evans? He lost to Wrexham three yeah. one. So it's I don't know if it's going well or not. I see it's good. He seems like a nice guy. I don't know what I'm talking about now. I'm just rambling. Anyway, Riyad Mahrez, Al Ali have agreed a fee for the Manchester City winger another one bites the dust uh, Marez is set to go to Saudi Arabia for £45 million pounds a year on the table from Al Ali uh, he's set to join the team that has Edward Mendy of Chelsea and Roberto Firmino oh
1: Bobby Firmino
0: from Liverpool oh yeah, Bobby,
1: um, Bobby Bobby Bobby. <laughs> Marez as well I mean I was going to say I'm surprised City let him go because he was one of those players that whether he started, whether he's at Impact, Sub, whatever, he's, he's class. He's absolutely class. Um, have City made any major incomings this season? Not in terms of, of t-
0: well, Kovacic they've signed. Yeah. Um, there's another midfielder I've forgotten. Let me just talk, talk amongst yourself there, Jags, while I look at their transfer business.
1: <laughs> yeah, because everything this week has been saying that they're still trying to go in for Guardiola for about hundred million. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, the like you said, Kovacic's come in and. Uh, Maybe some others. Of course, I can't remember. You know me. It's just uh, no, It's it's
0: just Kovačić. Kovačić is the only one so far. Um, they've yeah. they've they've had they've got back Issa Isakabore from Luton end of loan. Uh, Yangel Herrera had his loan at Girona end at the end of last season, uh, and Nathaniel Bustos uh, came back from Tala Tala Talares in Argentina. That's that's it. That's their only incomings this summer, along with Kovačić. And how many Alcorns do we have?
1: we have
0: Gundawan, uh Mendy, obviously. Um, that's it. And, and now sorry, twenty-five-year-old her, well.
1: her, yeah. her, her uh, Yangel Herrera has gone to Girona
0: on a permanent deal now for five million.
1: Mm. So, in terms of clearing like wages off the books and getting a bit of money for some of the older guard, they've they've done good business so far. But I was going to say I'll, I'll wait and see to see what they invest in but City they've already got an embarrassment of Richards all over the pitch on the bench in the cafeteria they've got the world's best chef there they've got a Michelin starred cafeteria you should see the, the kit man he's gorgeous he scrubs them on these I tell you city what their kit there. man in all seriousness has the
0: shiniest head in all of football it's lovely he's the little fella who always has to strip down to his underwear and do a slide across the dressing room floor whenever they win a trophy have you noticed this? <laughs> he's a little hobbit of a man I don't know why I called him a little <laughs> hobbit of a man I bet he's a lovely fella he seems like a lovely fella I'm sure it's the kit man little bald fella ginger beard stubblish. Um, he has to do it he, he goes down to his little Y fronts and then does a slide across the floor every time they win a trophy
1: yeah well every time City win a trophy I usually switch off my TV in disgust and have a sulk for about 10 days that's probably why I've never seen him
0: you always see him on the social medias afterwards but you would would assume that Manchester City have got seven replacements lined up for Riyad Mahrez because even still last season I assume he would have played more games than he missed he definitely played more games than he missed but you know what I'm trying to say he was still a very important player for them last season
1: yeah but uh, yeah a, like you said another
0: one bites the dust another one bites the dust indeed uh, obviously Lionel Messi's made some news this week we'll, we'll speak about that at length at the size at the, <laughs> the size of his dick I've, re- I've started reading the sentence there as I was talking we'll talk about it more later in the podcast but the news relating to Lionel Messi has to be the size of his dick because someone took a photograph as he was slotting away that free kick after stoppage time had ended uh, as Inter Miami were playing the other night and the freeze frame includes a and it's, it's an outstanding outline of a ginormous winky. So he really does have it all.
1: Well, it's worth remembering, though. He's a, he's a very wee man. So perhaps he's just got an average-sized winky and just, you know... But because because of his stature, it looks bigger. Who knows? But when he was a, a child at Barcelona, oh no, I'm not going to say that. What on <laughs> earth
0: was that? Where was that going? Let's. This I was is- going to say.
1: So, I was going to say something about you know the growth injections. the oh. This
0: isn't the BBC. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Goodness me. I've been the Hold and got- Give podcast where we fly by the seat of our I pants was gonna for say, 10 weeks on the bounce. When
0: I started doing this podcast, did it where we talked about leading Messi's dick, never mind what it was like when he was a wee boy. Bloody hell, oh. Jarkins.
1: Yeah, I'll come on. You put words in my mouth there.
0: Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I haven't... <laughs> Now, I I feel terrible for what I've I've, I've put together this new segment because there was two sad deaths this week in the world of football. There was former Sheffield Wednesday and Nottingham Forest, uh, Chris Bart Williams midfielder, sorry, former Sheffield Wednesday and Nottingham Forest midfielder, Chris Bart Williams, passed away at the age of 49 on the 24th of July. Uh, Before his death, Bart Williams had been living in the USA where he ran a football training and recruitment courses for American colleges, which is nice to see, He's Doing some good there. He obviously played as well as for Wednesday and Forest Charlton, and. Ipswich, he was. I just remember him as a a leggy centre midfielder, just one of those ones who was in the Premier League for ages.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah most of my memories of them come from um, Panini sticker albums. Mm. <laughs> you always seem to get a Chris Barr Williams in every other pack. Uh, yeah, 49. No age. No ages, this
0: they say? Yeah, no age. And as well, there was Trevor, Fan- uh, Trevor Francis, who was uh, British football's first £1 million player. He passed away this week at the age of 69. Uh, he was capped 52 times by England and obviously famously scored Nottingham Forest winning goal against Malmo in the 1979 European Cup final, where I'm sure... He was signed in the February of 1979. Didn't play in the semi-final of the quarter-final, the quarter-final of the semi-final, and then rocked up in the final and got the winner. I'm sure that's the way it happened.
1: That's a, it's, it's the boyhood dream
0: that isn't it it is yeah he spent nine years at Birmingham City after graduating their academy uh, before he went to Nottingham Forest who of course won the, the European Cup in 1980 as well as 79 he also played for Manchester City Sampdoria Atlanta Rangers Queen's Park Rangers and Sheffield Wednesday during a playing career that spanned 24 years and he had two loan spells at the Detroit Express yielding 36 goals in the now defunct North American Soccer League (NASL). NASL.
1: And Nassle. he was a Wednesday manager when
0: Chris Bart Williams played there as well yeah I, I guess most people of our age alone from Sky Sports just getting involved in the football commentary and whatnot he just seemed like a nice fella didn't he just in terms of him being a pundit was never overtly offensive like yeah what's his face I've forgotten his name now former Everton left back I've banished him from my mind when the football season not on Andy what's his face oh I've gone blank now
1: uh, Hinchcliffe.
0: Andy Hinchcliffe. Oh. Yeah. Kevin Kevin De Bruyne should have just passed it in the net with his eyes closed. Who are you to say that, Andy Hinchcliffe?
1: <laughs> yeah, like you said, he, he seemed seems like, alright, Trevor Francis, and Britain's first £1 million player, every time a transfer record was broken, he was always brought off in that. So, his, you know, his legacy was assured. And then you throw in the fact he was part of that unbelievable Nottingham Forest, two-times European champions squad yeah good legacy
0: made he's mark didn't he rest in peace to both of them right we go from the sad news to the highlight of the week on the Holden Gate Football Podcast I'll kick us off this week cause I'm sure you did last week Uh Serena Williams Kim Kardashian Lebron James were watching on David Beckham Had a tear in his eye. Lionel Messi scored the match-winning goal on his Inter-Miami debut to ensure the Florida-based team got past Cruz Azul in the League's Cup with 93 minutes and 48 seconds on the clock, even though there's only three minutes added on. There he was, Lionel. He came on after 57 minutes (laughs) in front of a sellout. DRV, PNK Stadium and its temporary terraces. Now, I learned this thanks to Ellis Patton on the Away Days channel, up the Away Days. Big fan. And he was there. <laughs> he got there via a sponsor for his video, I think. And his the box at this stadium is pitch level. So it's like there's a balcony, basically, on pitch level. You're on the grass, and that's where your box is. To his left, Alice Patton's left was Messi's family, so he's having a bit of a chat on with Messi's brother, Messi's kids are there and to his right, he's got Kim Kardashian LeBron James and all these players like that, uh, all these players obviously Kim Kardashian's lovely in the, in the NBA isn't she, uh, all these famous celebrities like that, and then he's sitting there watching the game as he does, because he's a big Messi fan as we all are, but I think he's a, a step above just being a fan, I think it's an obsession with Alice um, and he's just sitting there watching the free kick and he goes, he, he can't put it in, he's just feeling himself for a bit of a, a YouTube reaction video and just the shock on his face when it flies in the top bins. is absolutely fantastic. On top of that, wonderfulness as well. Uh, Lionel Messi set a record during this match. His debut match was viewed, or uh, the, the most watched American football match, soccer match, in USA television history with approximately 12.5 million viewers. And he followed this up this week to continue the highlight by scoring twice and assisting once on his first start for Inner Miami in a 4 0 win over Atlanta United. Uh, he was scoring twice in the opening 22 minutes before setting up teammate Robert. Taylor in the second half and I saw this week I think it was during the Cruz Azul game that former Newcastle fullback uh, DeAndre Yedlin was his captain
1: <laughs> Imagine before, that. Having, yeah like before about uh, how, how the United players take orders from Bruno Fernandes <laughs> hey DeAndre has got some
0: pace that's one thing to be better at than Messi is just running in a straight line <laughs> <laughs> But I just watch it because you're seeing the the free kick gets set up. You're thinking he can't bloody do it, can he? And I don't care who the goalkeeper was. I think Andre Onana would be struggling to save the free kick the way it went in um, because apparently the goalkeeper was like he worked in the back of a shop or something in his spare time Mm. or something like that, I read somewhere. Um, But yeah, just the fact it was, you know, past, you know, the minimum allowed stoppage time that they had on at the end of the game. They would need to win the game to get through the next round of the cup. He scores the winner, the celebration, the big dick, it's all there. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well my my highlight of the week also comes uh, from you know Lionel big dick Messi as he's now called <laughs> and this could have been a nomination for twat of the week as well but it was highlighting the you know just we just shake your head and laugh and also mouth the word arsehole you're saying um about uh the game the other day Messi played into uh, miami scored two open 22 minutes set up one was sucked off at the 78th minute and the crowd absolutely flooded out of the stadium while <laughs> the game is still going on and it was a highlighting just that you know you're just like you're aghast and you're just like oh this isn't football but it was quite funny at the same time wasn't it really <laughs> but the amount of people it was just like right messi has gone now come on let's let's go tailgate or something i quite like tailgating it looks quite fun but they were just like let's 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 all get off and get a branded hot dog and a shirt from the club store. I tell you what. Yeah. By the
0: way, Ellis Patton buys a a in a, a, a inner Miami shirt before that uh, Cruz Azul game, and I think, I'm, I'm trying not to misremember this. I'm sure it cost him 140 pound for one shirt. Ooh. 140 because he like they had like little gazebo set up around the ground instead of like the, the official club shop. 140 quid. Did he get
1: the pink one or the black one? Pink, I believe. It's a nice kit. Yeah. Not 140 quids worth of nice, but I'll, it's
0: sti- nice. I'll stick with my nine pound one I had on the podcast last week off uh, DHgate. DH <laughs> Gate.
1: Up the DH Gate. Up
0: the DH Gate, indeed. Um, but yeah, that the what Messi's gonna bring to that league, it, I guess with the help of Apple and the other company that was involved, I've forgotten now. Who was it? Uh oh, Coca-Cola. I don't know, know. Whoever it was. Rolex. He, he's gonna bring a lot that NASA. league, isn't he? <laughs> he's alright, isn't he? That Lionel Messi. Um, yeah, so he's we, not bad. um the, the highlights of the week have been messy related it's the twat of the week I'll let you go first this week Jarkins uh, it's Bernardo Silva um, just yeah, in case not really. people are newcomers to the podcast where's the hatred for Bernardo Silva come from
1: I, he just uh, hates Liverpool treats us with no respect so as a, as a result he could you know save orphans from a burn and build and be like ah but well, he's a disrespectful disrespectful little gimp isn't he <laughs> Um <laughs> He's not really my twat of the week this week. My twat of the week this week is um, Nike, uh, the you know American sportswear uh, giant. Mm. So obviously the the Women's World Cup is currently ongoing. I you could argue it's the biggest Women's World Cup ever. There's more eyes on the competition. There's more eyes on the, the women's sport in general. Um, England are going in. You know the one of the favorites for the for, for the for the cup after the triumphs and it was the euros yeah um one of england's standout players goalkeeper mary erps uh england manual number one considered by many the best keeper in the women's game in the world and nike haven't made a women's goalkeeper top available for purchase um erps herself has apparently offered to fund the to being made Uh, Has apparently been shot down by Nike. The FA have done nothing to jump in. You can buy uh, shirts for the women's team, but you just can't get the goalkeeper top. And Earps herself has put out a quote saying, there are people who have spent a tremendous amount of money on outfield shirts and then put ERPs number one on the back. That doesn't sit well with me either. You know, Millie Bright spoke to me a couple of weeks ago and said, Mary, my niece is desperate to get your shirt. Where can I get it? I replied, you can't. It doesn't exist. I think that's a huge problem. I think a scary message is being sent to goalkeepers worldwide that they are not important. It's a hell of a faux pas. Um, I've written extensively about Nike in the last few years. Um, I, I do bits for a, a business magazine as well. And obviously, after the Colin Kaepernick stuff and taking the knee, and Nike turned it into a very successful campaign, and they were trying to put themselves forward as a very progressive company and looking at you know social uh racial issues um they've supported lgbtq plus um athletes they've supported trans athletes in sports such as, as skateboarding and then for them to say here it's just like oh can you can you make a, a, a women's goalkeeper shirt and they're just like not worth it at the end of the day is it it's it's gonna cost us money it's just like oh nice one lads you've uh, you've undone all the, the the good work you've done the last few years that's a massive. Being a kid and a football
0: fan, a massive part of it is getting your shirt with your favorite player on the back of it, isn't it? And obviously, yeah, men, exactly. What Herbs has done, like over the past few years, especially for England, there's going to be a fair queue for you know goalkeeper shirts with her name on the back, isn't there? It's just it. I don't know. It's a banging shirt to be fair as well. I mean, yeah. that's the main issue. It would sell well because it's a fan. I mean, that blue England away shirt the, for the for the for the women's team. I, I was I was debating getting one. It looks lovely.
1: Yeah, they are nice. And I read an article about it as well. Someone said, take fans out of the equation. What about Mary Earps' family? Who might want a shirt to wear when they're cheering her on. It's just, as we say every week, it's grubby, Ross. It's a bit grubby. It is
0: a bit grubby. It's a bit grubby and disgusting. Yeah.
1: What else is disgusting? You went quite
0: scourced <laughs> Did I? Disgusting. Yeah. Uh What else is disgusting <laughs> is Erling Haaland being awarded a Man of the Match check for 1 million yen this week um after Manchester City uh, versus the Yokohama F Marinos I think you, you call their name there's there's a little bit of spanish in my voice for some reason um but it, Manchester City beat them 3-5 in the game Erlen got uh, a couple of goals um and he was given the man of match award and also a check for 1 million yen cuz he needs it he's 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 struggling to put bits together at the minute it's a cost of living crisis and whatnot so let's give him a million yen as well
1: you keep going. I'm going to get up my um
0: Is this because you want, to, you want to know how much it is in pounds sterling? Because I've got it right in front of me right now. Have you got it right there, have you? It is £5,508.
1: <laughs> That's nothing to him anyway. But also, what, what's wrong with like a little crap trophy that he's never going to look at again and probably all option off? Well, let me tell you, Jargons, it's because
0: that game was the J League World Challenge 2023, powered by Docomo.
1: I, I love a crap preseason <laughs> tournament.
0: They're amazing. I don't even think it was a tournament, though. I think they've only had one game. Let me check Manchester City's fixture so far this summer. Any results?
1: A, preseason, all rules go out the window. You can name a, a squad of twenty-two and have a different eleven every thirty minutes if you wanted. Even I mean that doesn't work mathematically, but you can have you can have a one match tournament in Japan. Who's to say you can't? <laughs> me. It means
0: so much, you know. When you type it on Google, like certain like Manchester City results, and you just bring up the t- the, the table with all the results on. So it goes, it goes City four, Real Madrid nil, Manchester City two, Man United one in the FA Cup final, Man City one, Inter Milan nil in the Champions League final. Then the next result is Bayern one, Manchester City two from today's game. So the the mm-hmm. Japanese challenge doesn't even exist in in Google land, uh, which tells you all you need to know, I guess. It's not even on the fixtures for goodness sake, but this Bayern Munich for is. And the uh, the Athletico game they have in a few days' time, that's on there as well. It's disgusting. Not even counting. He's getting a cheque for around 1 million yen. (laughs) It's a uh, pre-season for goodness sake. Save the yen for when it it
1: matters. (laughs) Isn't it annoying that five grand to Erling Haaland, he's probably never even going to cash that cheque. If someone gave me a cheque for five grand right now, I'd be running down the street with me bum out. I'd be so happy.
0: I would sit in this chair
1: and just flop on the floor
0: like a fish. <laughs> Five grand. Imagine, that'd be nice, <laughs> it? would be a nice thing anyway. Anyway, Erlin Harlan got that one. I don't know why it was a thing. It annoyed me when I saw the presentation taking place. Um I don't know why it even annoyed me, but it did. Just the fact he's there with one million on a bit of paper next or a big bit of card next to him. It just annoyed me. Twat of the week goes to the Japanese league who put that game on. <laughs> <laughs> Super challenge my arse Right We go from twat of the week To everyone's favourite Or second favourite segment After Clive F-U-C-K's I can see clearly now The rain is gone Whatever it's going to be called In the future
1: What (laughs) happened To that wonder kid? And this is one That I think you Especially will be Excited by It's Freddy I do yeah, that, that was the Freddie Adu class in there. <laughs> we spent five grand on that. That's why we want to check. Thank you to the nation of Japan
0: uh, for the five grand in, in, in funding that air horn.
1: Yeah, for the for the Freddie Adu uh, class in there. Um, <laughs> so I was thinking football manager legend, Freddie Adu. I think he was voted the, the greatest football manager legend of all time. Football wasn't he? manager
0: 2005, Freddie Adu, yeah. DC United. If you signed him, it was the key to the
1: kingdom. <laughs> yeah, but... In, in real life, um, they called him the next Pele. Uh, they f- hoping he was going to be the proper first-ever US soccer superstar. You know, you could take your Landon Donovan, you could take your Casey Keller and shove him up your ass. <laughs> it was all going to be Freddie Adu. Uh, and as we've come to find out with what happened to that one on reflection, it's a very sad segment of the podcast, isn't it? So yeah. Get, get ready for the, the, the sad tale of Freddie Adu's career. Are you ready, Ross? Mm-mm. So, So he was Ghanaian born, moved to the USA when he was eight. He was quite simply a youth footballing prodigy. 2004, at just 14 years old, he was signed by MLSI DC United as their number one overall draft pick and scored five times in his debut season as a 14 year old boy, which is. It's unbelievable, is what it is. Yeah. You were talking about having pubes and that before. So when you were 14, (laughs) you were admiring your pubes while Freddie Ido was banging them in for a DT night.
0: Exactly. That's the context we need. I was sat there admiring my pubes in Pegswood and there was Freddie Adu (laughs) twatting them in.
1: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, he had trials with Manu at 16, impressed Alex Ferguson, but Fergie was just like, we'll let him return to the MLS. When he turns 18, we'll have another look at it. Um, three seasons, 11 goals and 82 apps. He was signed by Real Salt Lake, scoring 1-11 before being signed by Benfica in 2007 for about $2 million after an impressive under-20s World Cup where he was the US captain. And like he's still oldie at this point, 2007. So he's 16, 17 years old. He signed for Benfica and you're thinking, OK, let's let's see how he does. And then it just gets really sad. and <laughs> um, <laughs> One and fourteen for Benfica, which again, he's a boy, and you're thinking that's that's not bad. New country as just, well.
0: Imagine moving that to any. Imagine moving two hours away from home. Never mind a new country.
1: Yeah, at that age, I mean, you'd be terrified, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, and then he's just loaned a lot. He had a season at Monaco where he was zero in nine. A season at Arras in Greece where he's two and twelve. A season in Belenenses in Portugal, zero. In four, a season at Kaiko which which was in the Turkish second second division, which was 3-11. Uh, like we've said with previous Wunderkens, the thing that seems to hamper them is not only big expectations like calling them the next Pele, it's just not letting them settle and learn. Because these are the most important years of their career where they need to be playing regular football. You hear it from... Premier League teams all the time when you've got youth players it's like they they need to be sent out on loan so they can actually play rather than just watching the superstars so after all those loans Benfica sold them in in 2011 now 22 years old he returned to the MLS with Philadelphia Union scored 10 and 39 appearances in their two season spell not bad 22 year old yeah and then he went to uh, Bahia in Brazil um, in 2013 with Faberson went in the opposite direction on loan. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, after just seven months in Brazil and Norton 4, he was released. Went on a number of trials around Europe. He trained with Blackpool. He trained with Starbake in Norway and AZ Alkmaar and then signed with Serbian signed FK Jagadina in July 2014 and then was released a few months later. So we're getting to March 2015. He's now age 25. This is the next um, Pele, don't forget. Yeah. And he went to Finnish side Cups, K-U-P-S. Never heard of them before. Um, But had his uh, contract terminated in July, just so he could come back to the MLS with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And this is his 12th pro club in 11 years. Um, He scored 0 in 13. He's not an out and out striker at this point. He's more of a kind of midfield, like an attacking midfielder. He was released at the end of 2016 season, spent all of 2017 on trial at various clubs. And then in 2018, he was signed to the Las Vegas Lights after a trial, scored 1 14, and was released again. He then went on to coach soccer in Maryland, not Maryland, um, for a few (laughs) years. And then in 2021, he signed with Swedish third division side, Osterlin FF, but was released after a month. That's the and one this, that uh, is...
0: Graham Potter used to manage, wasn't it? Osterlin's? Oster- 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 Oster-
1: Oster- I don't know. Yeah, Swedish Swedish third division, though. And they released him after a month. They said he wasn't physically or mentally fit enough to be competitive. And he himself, Freddie Adu himself, claims definitely says there was turmoil behind the scenes and a bit of a power struggle. And that facilitated his exit I put um 31 goals and 227 appearances it's um, a
0: shame isn't it because is it, it, it i always thought with the Freddy i do football manager set him up for failure because obviously they yeah. made they made him a thing before he was even a thing so everyone thinks he's a thing then he didn't turn out to be a thing everyone was like why is he not a thing it's got nothing to do with him really, has it? Just some some yeah. some nerd in London. <laughs>
1: it, exactly, yeah. It was nothing that he could do with that. Um yeah, it's it's like you said he's he's managed to have a career in football. We're saying he was training there, he was you know, going here, there and everywhere, but it's it's just rubbish at the end of the day, isn't it? Where where does he go from here? I he's, don't know,
0: he's thirty four now, isn't he? So it's a yeah. It, I don't know. I, I just think it's going to peter out, isn't it? It's a, it's a shame. As I say, I think it's harsh from Football Manager, but they've got I guess, make hooks in a game, haven't they? Try and get people's teeth into the game. So creating these wonder kids out of nowhere. I mean, I guess there's some substance to it because he was playing for DC United at that age. He didn't yeah. get the move to Benfica. Hopefully not off the, off the back of Football Manager. Um I hope it was based on some sort of scouting and talent, whatnot. Um, so, yeah, it is a shame to see, though.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, as I was writing this one, I was just like, oh, this is really sad. Because with other ones, it was like injury that had hampered things. But with this one, it was just just moved around too much and not able to actually settle and work on his craft. And I was just like, oh, it's it's nice to have a very sad segment in this podcast every other week. So, yes, we'll see you in two weeks the, for some more sadness. Yeah, we, we, we'll get sadder than Freddie will do. Come have a big cry.
0: That was dickish of me to play that sound effect at that moment of time, wasn't it? Anyway, Freddy, I do there. A case of what might have been. And a case of football manager never treat it like real life, I guess. Which I think a lot of us are guilty of. I know I certainly was at one point. I was gagging for Sebastian Freepock to come along after football manager 2007. He was a regen, not even a real boy. And I was like, he's going to come and sign for Newcastle one day. He never did. Not even real.
1: Is that the real reason why you bought that nice um, tie and cufflink set? Because you wear a suit when you play football manager? (laughs) Are you one of them? I'll come clean, Jack Atkins. I'll come clean.
0: University, got on a football manager a bit too much. Nelly cost me my degree, basically. Did my dissertation in one week because of football manager. That's how balls deep I was in the game. I haven't bought it since leaving uni because if I did buy it, I would not have a life. Um, And I was one of those sad people who, when I had a, a big European away game in Russia in winter and it was winter over here, I would go and sit in the back garden on my laptop and play for the full authentic cold of Russia, of Moscow, and places like that. And obviously on a cup final day, yes, the suit would get dusted down out the wardrobe and put on for the duration of the game and the game only.
1: You say for the authentic experience. I don't think it's an authentic experience if you're, you know, having a can on the sidelines, like...
0: you got to get that immersive experience, though. you got to feel what it's like to be away at uh, Spartak Moscow in December. I don't know why I said Moscow like an American there. I watch too much wrestling.
1: Moscow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can I I imagine you on the sidelines with Newcastle United, there over in Russia, freezing your jebs off with a can of, I don't know, Heineken and a kebab. <laughs> Just being like, come on, lads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the football manager. But yeah, I'm going to come
0: clean. I'm sure, I'm hoping there's people listening to this podcast who did the same thing, because if there wasn't, that's a bit awkward now for me, because they're going to think less mm. of me.
1: But the, you know, I, you've gone up in people's estimations. You never
0: know. I had a flat full of people who did the same thing, so I'm justified in my actions. Anyway, onto the Roberto Mailbagio. It's Ross at holdandgive.com. If you want to get in contact, and you can say once again, it's getting busier each and every week. So apologies if I don't get your email. We're going to try and keep it to three, just for the length of the podcast. So keep trying, and it'll eventually happen. That's what me mum used to say. Uh, hello, Harry, holding Gary Give. Which one do you want to be, I'll Harry, be- Harry, or Gary? Uh, I'd like to be Gary, please. Up the Harry. Uh, I'm a huge football fan from Newcastle, Australia, and I'm faced a bit of a dilemma. My local team in the top flight of Australian football, the A League, are potentially not going to be a thing soon. Newcastle Jets FC have been without an owner for a while, and it doesn't look like anyone is going to buy us at this point. The A League is a relatively small league with 12 teams, and in my 15 years of support, I have a reason to hate all 11 other teams. So, my question to you is who do I support if the Jets fold, and how would I even go about finding a new team? Bonus question. If Liverpool and Newcastle, well, we'll deal with first, bit first, who should Lockie from Newcastle, Australia,
1: go and support? I mean, what a horrible situation. I know. Um, if you, he said there that, you know, hates pretty much every other team in the league. The only thing I'd think is pick whoever your main rival, whoever Newcastle Jets main rivals are and then pick the team that hates them equally as much as Newcastle does. Yeah. So you can still feel like you've got that rivalry kind of like, you know, uh, basing your decisions on a you know an element of Schadenfreude maybe. Um, but oh, it's a horrible, horrible situation.
0: It is a horrible situation. Obviously the, the obvious answer is the next most local team. If you want to be like true to football roots and whatnot and true, true supportership, if you want to brand it like that. But I think Atkins is nailed it on the head there. One that's got a similar hatred for the other teams, I think, is a justifiable reason. Because there needs to be a justifiable reason. You can't just go and pick the best team. You can't be an arsehole like that. It needs to be a justifiable reason as to why you're supporting this team. If there's a favourite player, I'll accept that one in this situation. no one's thinking about their football team going out of business and not being a thing are they so if there's a favourite player from another team it's an acceptable reason for me in this situation
1: yeah yeah I'll go with that any
0: more Any favourite kit
1: I like blue (laughs) best best stadium Scran
0: oh now we're getting deep that's what we're talking about do you follow Footy Scran on Twitter
1: I, I see highlights, yes. I do oh, see highlights.
0: And lowlights as well. Some football teams should be put in jail for what they charge for paltry amounts of food. Um, greetings, chaps. Oh, sorry. There was a part two of that mailbag uh, from Lockheed and Newcastle. Uh, bonus question. If Liverpool and Newcastle folded in England, who would you boys support? Oh, oh, oh. It's a tough question to answer off the top of the head.
1: Uh, in all reality, at, at my age, I'd probably just drop out altogether. Um, Shut up,
0: man! You gotta stay. You gotta pick another English side. You
1: got Tranmere Rovers down the road. Yeah, it it, it would be Tranmere. I think it'd be Tranmere, and even you know, getting the odd ticket to Goodison. I think it'd just have to be just to watch football. Um, I've been to plenty of Everton games in, in my life because my, like I said before, my brother and my nephew are Everton fans. Uh, I was contemplating going to Everton versus Tranmere the other day because they had a spare ticket, but I got tattoos instead, and that was a better use of my <laughs> time. Um, yeah, probably Trammier. The Super White Army, which is not a problematic name at all.
0: <laughs> I just remember in last week's podcast, when I was speaking about Real Madrid and their white history, mm. <laughs> Los Blancos, the are for goodness sake, they're playing white. Uh, it's a tough one for me because I'm a bit of a lonely island up in the northeast of England in terms of professional football teams. I mean, you got your Bly Spartans, I've got no affiliations to them. They're not in professional, they're semi-pro. Ashington. Where the Millburns are from, you know, uh, mm. the the Charlton, sorry, are from as well. Obviously, they're cousins. Uh, Morpeth Town would be my first pick, but that's maybe too low down. Because yeah, you, you got. I think the, to answer this question properly, we want to pick a professional outfit. So in terms of professional football team, I've got no affiliation to anybody else in England you, at you, least.
1: You're forgetting one team that's relatively near. Who? Hook the boer, Hep the better. I couldn't
0: do that. <laughs> I couldn't do that. Although it probably would be the close. It's the closest one, and I like saying "hep" the better. Um, yeah. So maybe it is just that. That's my tie into the middles better. And my neighbours two doors down, they were middles better. Season ticket holders when I was growing up. So Bob and Barbara. Barbara's now Bob dead. Homer. Bob Mortimer. Bob Not Bob Mortimer. No, I don't know what <laughs> their surname was. I shouldn't say it on here. Uh, rest in peace, Barbara. Bob's still with us? I think I can't remember. Not been home for a while. Might be gone. I don't know. Always drove a Citroen Picasso though. When a new Citroen Picasso came out, they went and got one, which I thought was very interesting. Mm. Yeah, up the Citroen Picassos. Uh, so I guess we've worked out, because <laughs> when I was at uni, I had a full-on, it was nearly an obsession with Sean Dyche. I really enjoyed listening to Burnley, Sean Dyche speak about football. So if he was still at Burnley and still playing football at Turf, um, I would probably go and support Burnley. But he's now gone. He's now at the at E. The v. and I've got no affiliation to Everton whatsoever. Uh, so it, it probably would be Middlesbrough, I guess. If push came to shove and I couldn't support just Morpeth Town, I'd say Middlesbrough, hep the better. But
1: yeah, at the end of the day, it's not
0: Sunderland, is it? And I I couldn't support Sunderland. I couldn't support <laughs> Sunderland. And I guess the good times are coming back with my Carrick. Imagine being... Because it, it must have been fun being a Middlesbrough fan in the nineties. Some of the players that came over. You guy with a bar your guy with oh, a barnet, yeah. barnet. Edison was it? I've forgotten his name. Emerson. Emerson. <laughs> Centre midfielder. Emerson. Hey, uh, Junini, obviously. Um, yeah. I know you call him Fabrizio Romano in my head there, but Ravanelli is what I was on about. Fabrizio Romano was not playing for Middlesbrough <laughs> in the 1990s. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't you remember
1: Fabrizio Romano
0: with his, you know, peroxide hair and blonde shirt over there? Uh, he's put on peroxide hair there. Uh, Abel Xavier, I remember playing for mm-hmm. them. Oh, not in the yeah. 90s, though, but a great time nonetheless. Uh, so, yeah, I'll guess Middlesbrough. They're, they're inoffensive, aren't they, Middlesbrough? They're never really there. Yeah, yeah they're fine. They're fine. They're never in Yorkshire anyway, slightly in the northeast of England there. Uh, Greetings, chaps. It's a short and sweet one from me. When is the hold and give FPL League happening? And that's from Ollie, a Shrewsbury Town fan. You know the one that has... other the team, sorry, that has the occasional FA Cup runs. Yes, I do. I remember the game against Everton back in... Oh, this is going to be a pluck from the arse here. 2004? Five? Four? Five? Are you going to do FPL this season, Jargons, while I look at the uh, Shrewsbury versus Everton result?
1: Oh, I don't know, Right. Uh... I've been playing in in our work league for the last two years and it was the first time I've played FPL in about a good decade. Dusted off my old team, Slick McCarthy, uh, just because I love Mick McCarthy. uh, And the Slicksters playing pink and gold. um, And I usually do pretty badly. It's usually myself and Aidan Gibbons fighting above the relegation spots. (laughs) Um, I, I, I... I'll 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 play. I'll play. There was con- there was controversy last at the beginning of this last season because Dan Heppel was like, right, fiver in. I was like, no, don't be <laughs> stupid. He was like, oh, I'm putting a fiver in and I think he didn't even get his money back. I was like, why have you done that? Because Statman Joel Holland um is he's very good at it. Well, Very no, it's it's it. not
0: fair, James. Because there's, there's people like Joel in the same FPL league as us two who like listen to podcasts and watch yeah. YouTube videos. That they're balls deep in the entire process, and it's not fair to have them in the same league as just you know, common Garys and Harrys like you and I.
1: Exactly, we we, we play off heart and we just think, oh, what's the, what's the best uh, eleven on paper? We're not thinking, oh, who's the diamond in the rough from I don't know Reading or whoever's in the, um, and like you were saying then, Joel gets fully on board, and there's some people in our league. I'm not going to name names. who don't really know much about football, but also buy into what Joel does and absolutely smoke it. So it's it's a baseless game. But if there were to be a hold and give league, I would be
0: involved. Uh, just to break the oh, sorry, not break the news, just to reveal when that Everton versus Shrewsbury game took place. It was two thousand and three, January the fourth, two thousand and three. It Gay Meadow, seven thousand eight hundred people were there. Shrewsbury Town two, Everton one. Do you want to know the Everton team on the day? go on in no, well Richard Wright and goal mm-hmm. I'm trying to work it. it's all in a, a weird order Rooney was playing I started Thomas Graverson started Unsworth Weir Carsley Naismith Stubbs Scott Gemmel got Ooh. a run out Thomas Radzinski got a run out yeah. um, it was a full strength team and they got beat in the FA Cup. I'm trying to re- see if I recognise any Shrewsbury Town players' names, and I don't. Um, there's an A. Smith, but Ian Wone. That'll be Sean. Ian That'll be. Sh- <laughs> it's an I. Wone. I need to check this out. I need it's to check. It's got to be Ian. It's, it's got, got be to be Ian. Yeah, Shrewsbury Town. He's there. 2002, 2003. 50 appearances, seven goals. That's Sean Dyche's assistant manager there. Wone, Wone. <laughs> interesting that they've got an uh, s jaggy elker on the bench any relation do you reckon no. let us know let us know who actually who sent the email in ollie let us know if s jackie Elka <laughs> is related to p jaggy Elka. um so there will be a hold and give fpl league happening keep your eyes peeled on the social medias for the code and all that sort of stuff i basically just need to pull my finger out my ass and i've got a week hmm. off work now so i'll do it during that Space of time, so it'll be on the Twitter machine. On uh, it might be on the gram. I'm start. It's too. There's too many social media platforms to keep going. That's what I'm finding. On top of the rest of the ones I'm, as
1: well. I'm I'm just down to Instagram now. When when Twitter started going belly up, I was like, no more social media, and everyone else went, no more social media. I was like, no. I, I had a look at Threads, and I hate it. Someone described it as uh, LinkedIn for unemployed people. It's just people <laughs> just being like. It's, it's just all the accounts that i blocked on Twitter. Yeah, I blocked John Cena on Twitter. I'm not into that kind of, the best you to be is the you that's you. <laughs> to be you, to you, you. I'm just like, oh, shut up. <laughs> the I thing I don't like about it.
0: threads is the fact on your homepage, you can't just like look at the people you follow. It's just everybody. I'm not interested well, in, 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 in yeah. Doja Cat and her goings on. I'm not interested.
1: Well, I figured out what the problem with it is, is that with all social media platforms we've, experienced in the past we've gotten in there before the brands have and built it up but because this is a brand new one coming straight from facebook and instagram straight away it's like oh here's kodak saying oh, isn't it weird that we're on threads hey there sainsbury's i'm just like this is crap (laughs) so Yeah. yeah i'm not a fan yeah, on to the last
0: question of the mailbag. Hi, Ross, thanks for cutting my question last week. I've been guilt-tripped at this one, Jack. But as I say, the mailbag is getting busier week on week, so it will be harder to keep it to a concise three. So I do apologize. <laughs> I had a weird clothing, go, a concise three. Uh, so it will be hard to keep, uh, Sorry, it will be... Harder to get your question read out because it is getting busier, but I do apologise for that. But he says, "I'll try once more." What's your personal standout goal in your club's country's history? For me, as an Arsenal fan, it would be Will Todd's goal at Old Trafford to win us the league. Off Bartes, Will Todd under Bartes's body—it's a goal there. Mm. This is my commentary on it, not Martin Tyler's. Uh, oh, uh, what's yours? All the best, Jack. And then in brackets, not Atkins.
1: What, what, what a what a handsome man Jack must be. <laughs>
0: So, what's your not necessarily your favourite goal, or just you know the best goal he's ever seen scored? What's your mm. standout goal, which I guess could be for a, a myriad of
1: reasons? I th- it's it's the obvious answer, but it's it's Steven Gerrard against Olympiacos in the Champions League uh, final group game, Champions League 2004. we three points behind Olympiacos, needed to win by two goals to go through score is 2-1 and then Gerard with an absolute thunder bastard as we like to say oh. made it 3-1 um, you know Andy Gray absolutely losing his mind in the commentary booth and it's it's the sliding doors moment if that doesn't go in we might not win the match and obviously we won the match we went through to the next round and somehow beat one of the greatest AC Milan sides of all time in the final um, I was angry last year because there was a Fraud of a uh, journalist in the wrestling space who has been cancelled, who I couldn't stand from day one, who claims to be a Liverpool fan. Is that the and one who shouts pizzas? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, I couldn't stand him from day one. People just used to say his name in the office and watch me go mad about him. Bad guy. Um, I, it was was it Thiago's goal in the Champions League last year or Bobby Firmino's there was a really good goal and he was saying that's the best goal in Champions League history and I was like that's not even the best Liverpool goal in Champions League history you stupid little fraud of a man because <laughs> it's Olympiacos it's Olympiacos it's <laughs> tell us how you really feel <laughs> I, I'm just I'm in a mood today. I uh, let's peel the curtain back. I had a McDonald's last night. I ate too much. I had a vanilla milkshake, and this morning my stomach was doing cartwheels. So I, I started on the I started on the right foot there. Uh, Ross what about yourself Any any good goals that you like
0: You know what you should have done to get yourself back on track Was purchase another vanilla milkshake But also purchase a double shot of espresso From Muck Cafe And put them in the same thing and mix them together To produce the Ross as I've christened it Even though I watched a guy on Instagram reels do it in lockdown And I've been waiting three years ever since But I tried it a few weeks ago And it was
1: unbelievable the thing was, though, I was having this at 7 o'clock. If I would have had a double espresso, I'd still be awake now from yesterday. No,
0: but I mean, like, have it this morning. you have it at McDonald's last oh, night. OK. This is your handover yeah. cure. Just get another milkshake in with a double double shot of espresso. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Well, that sounds nice, oh, actually, That's yeah. worth a try. But you need a spoon. You need to mix it together. Um, my standout goal from Newcastle's history is a goal... because. As I've said a few times, my first like fully conscious—I'm aware of what's going on week to week to week—and I can remember being aware was the O102 season um, for Newcastle, when we finished fourth under Bobby Robson, and there was a game away at Leeds. In that game, because so I had the, the v, you remember the VHS season review things used to get, it was called The Return of the Entertainers, um, because obviously Kevin Keegan's side had been dismantled by an arsehole called Kenny Daglish. And then Bobby Robson was mopping up that mess in 2001 and bringing the entertaining football back to St James's Park. He was an arsehole, Kenny Daglish.
1: He was. do you dare say another bad word about Sir uh, Kenneth
0: Matheson Daglish. Lovely arse, filled out a pair of shorts like no other football ever did but as a football manager he ripped apart one of the great greatest sides the Premier League's ever seen
1: yeah but he also you know play a match on the greatest sides of the Premier League well the league has ever seen exactly
0: him. before football even existed
1: <laughs> um, but yeah and then, when, and then when football existed he won the league with
0: Blackburn so <laughs> uh, but anyway Newcastle were getting beat away at Leeds and then it ended up being 3-4 away at Ellen Road around Christmas time I think Newcastle either had just beaten Arsenal away at Highbury to go top of the league or were just about to beat Arsenal away at Highbury to go top of the Premier League and uh, Solano's running through it's Three three, and he sort of just slides it across the goalkeeper. Just sort of passes it in the far corner. I'm not sure how it went in. Um, and then the commentators like, and then Bobby Robson does a jig of delight on the touchline, and then remembers he's nearly 69. <laughs> <laughs> and for whatever reason, that one there, that was like prime peak Newcastle for me as a kid. Like my first season being fully invested. Geordie manager, if you want, even though he's from County Durham. Um, and and Nob- Nobby Solano, who loves praying his trumpet in my hometown of Morpeth on a fair few weekends these days. Um, uh, him slotting it away in in the dying embers of the game on a a wintry day at Ellen Road
1: was it as the kids say was it limbs was
0: it a limbs occasion it was a limbs occasion even for like how old I have been nine year old me um, in the living room yeah or oh, ten, 10 year old me watching the season review DV, uh, VHS in my room a million times eee we've done it again um, but yeah that, that line, th- I'm sure it was Peter Drury on commentary I might be wrong there but I'm sure it was Peter Drury on commentary all the way back then he was like Bobby Robinson does a jig of delight on the touchline and then remembers he's nearly 69 <laughs> because Bobby Robson started going like ho ho, ho 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 on the touchline it was a lovely moment um, but yeah that's I guess that's the standout goal for me a close contender was uh, I remember because I had a season Take ticket during the, the, the bad times at Newcastle under Pardew and Mike Ashley and Honas uh, Gutierrez scoring the goal mm. to keep us up in the 14-15 season uh, before we got relegated the next season but his comeback from cancer and whatnot and then he was clearly one of the him and Ryan Taylor were like the only two players who gave a toss in the second half of that season and to see him score the goal they kept us up against West Ham at home got Big Sam the sack as well in the same game I think just about beating them at the end of the season so that would be my two standouts not necessarily the best ones and my favourite ones but like the ones that stand out in my head
1: yeah you, you've you just like unlocked somehow unlocked a memory in this you know Jack, Jack here. tries to remember
0: things I've forgotten the jingle we said at the start now. <laughs>
1: Like uh, a prominent like football memory from my youth, and I think it's only because like we had like some crappy little TV that wasn't going to use anymore, so I was allowed it in my room when it was a for a little bit. and uh, watching uh, Tino Espria destroy Barcelona. Mm. Um, you know who that, else destroyed um, Barcelona that night? Keith. Well, keith gillespie's wing play that night (laughs) where he just kicked the ball 10
0: yards in front of him and ran after it like a little child and then whipped in these S crosses
1: oh oh it's orgasmic (laughs) Jarkins. but i I just remember watching it on on my bed being like oh barcelona they're a good team this newcastle team must be very good indeed
0: (laughs) (laughs) that was like half of kenny daglish's work done in that team i guess we're getting them, hmm. maybe three quarters of the work done, completely ripping aside Kevin Keegan's team and replacing them with grandfathers. <laughs> your Ian Rushes, your John Barneses of the world.
1: Yeah, they, they they were definitely too old then. That was just too much loyalty from <laughs> Kenny. But...
0: It was, aye. But there you go. Let us know in the comments down below and on other platforms as well if you want. What's your standout goal in your mind for your football team? Our final question this week comes from Trevor from Preston. Good afternoon, Denver Bar and Papi Sise. <laughs> I think I'll be Denver. I'll be Seaside, yeah. You're a bit more unpredictable than me. Uh, What is your favourite slice (laughs) of football related clothing that you own? Hugs and kisses from the Great White North. Trevor from Preston. (laughs) Cheers, Trevor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, what's your favourite slice of football related clothing that you own? Um I have a few bits and bobs. I'm I'm not as much of a dirty shirty as you like to put Um and I look terrible in red, which is not a great look for a Liverpool fan. Um the two that come to mind is a few that I've bought in the last couple of years. Uh, I've got the twenty fourteen France Home kit, the really nice blue one with the white collar. Oh lovely. Lovely. It's Matthew, a bit Matthew Valbuena. Oh yeah. I, I <laughs> I look like a fat Val Buena in it basically. It's a bit it's a bit it's a bit tight. Um and last year, one payday, I was sat in uh I was sat in the Clooney, I was eating chili in the Clooney on a nice summer's day. Uh, eating and I chili went, oh. on a summer's day. Yeah. I'm oh. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm unpredictable <laughs> I, see, say, uh, I went on Depop and bought the not a replica, the, the actual 96, 97 cream Liverpool away shirt. Mm-hmm. And I think I've worn it twice. So they're the two the that jumped into my mind.
0: But you can't wear it too often. Though. You don't want to wash it too many times, do you? You want to keep that as pristine as it can be considering its age.
1: Yeah, it, it was in pretty good neck as well. So yeah, that's uh, one for the gram, as the good side. Up oh, the gram. Uh, I don't know where to, <laughs> I don't know where to start with mine because I've I'm a
0: full-on like collector like of Newcastle ones like there's not many Newcastle shirts since uh, probably, probably 1994 that I don't have in my vacuum sealed boxes at home our uh, bags at home sorry but the the standouts i have got there was a member shirt that was released in 2013 that was half black half white had a gold Newcastle badge a gold Puma logo and it was stunning it was ruined by a I know you said F off. A massive, blue, dirty Wonga logo, but there was half black, half white. Looked unbelievable apart from this Wonga logo. They're rare as balls right now, and they cost a lot of money, but I managed to get one because I was a member, obviously, with my season ticket back then. That's a prized possession. A Shearer testimonial shirt that I bought when I went. Um, I've sized up thinking, you know, I'll, I'll probably be a big, bigger boy when I'm older. Because I was like I was only, what, 2006? I would have been... Oh, I mean, 15, 14, going on 15. Um, and a thin boy then, not so much now, but got one of them as well. I don't know, name any home shirt from like 94 onwards, I've got it in me, at home because I'm weird like that. But I guess the prize one, I've got a, I've got a, I spent a lot of money. because li- There was a period when I first started working at uh, the old place where I was living at home and my mom was being quite nice. Cause i just, I'd just finished uni and I didn't have to pay bills for the first couple of months that I had my new job. So I was like, oh, I got my first pay pack and I was like, I'm going for it. And I got a signed messi and I got Ooh. and I spent another 250 quid getting it framed and it's at home and it's got the certificate of authentication it's got the picture it was signed it was bought from one of those uh, I'm not going to say where it was bought from but one of those official like memorabilia shops where they do it all properly and whatnot but it's the uh, the 1415 uh, Barcelona home kit signed by Messi on the back of it and that's
1: that's the prize one that's going to be you you think worth a couple of quid yeah when he dies I'm I'm laughing Yeah, you've never never told me that one because obviously yourself and as we always mention, Aiden, um, I've done. You've told us all about the stuff you sold, like you've sold like Adidas training coats and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: I've got a Depop shop. It's called What's it called? Is it football kit and other things? I'll I'll link it on something soon, so Mm. you can see what's up. Because there's a few shirts on there that I'm still selling, just getting rid of the deadwood, you know. Um, Yeah, but I sold it.
1: Didn't didn't you you buy a pair of signed boots?
0: I t- Vern and Anita because I had a weird t- obsession with Vern and Anita when we played for Newcastle and I do not it was on I, don't, I can't remember where I bought them from now but there was a pair available for 60 quid and I went and bought them for 60 quid um, they were like probably like uh, uh, the Adi Zero they were like yellow mid 2010 mm. sort of stuff and it was signed by Vern and I sold them for the sixty quid I paid for them. Thankfully on Depop, it might be someone watching the uh, the podcast today. Um, but I was thinking if I just wiped off his signature, I probably could have got more because <laughs> they were the proper boots. That I sold. Them. I was like, oh, missed out there, haven't I?
1: Yeah. Because um, yeah, when uh, the, there's obviously a website that deals in very expensive old kits it popped into Newcastle last year. And uh, me, you, and Aiden jumped into your car and like <laughs> drove on an extended lunch to go have a big look. Uh, I was
0: right to spend yeah. some ser- serious dollar that day, but they didn't have the didn't have the options. Did they? There was a lot of shirts in there, but not many that you'd actually like want with because they inflate their prices now to. C- yeah cfs um because uh, they've obviously built a, a, a big brand over the over the past 15 years whatever it's been so yeah it was disappointing that trip wasn't it but uh the, the yeah. thing the, the big sale, the sale on Depop recently was the uh our 1993 umbro it was nearly pristine like a raincoat which i'd never ever wear and it was just taking up space in my wardrobe and i was just like i'll try and cash in here 290 quid i managed to get for it which was nice which was it's very nice. Consider, yeah. I, I don't know if I could have got more. Someone in the comments will go, Oh, Yo, you've been robbed there, Ross. But it was pristine condition, 1993, like Umbro official Newcastle rain jacket thingy. But I, Yeah. There's a Brucey bargain to be had there around the world of football memorabilia. Just got to find him, haven't you? oh yeah definitely it's mad how much it's it's taken off though because I remember at uni because I've obviously only got one parent so I used to get the the highest bracket of student loan which I didn't need but I would get it because I had one parent at home and I would spend a large chunk of it on classic football shirts because way back between the years of 2011 and 2014 when I was at uni it felt like football shirt collecting wasn't as much of a thing as it is today so the deals you could get back then was unreal so I used to fill my boots back then but what you have to pay now is unreal
1: it's the same with anything, though, because I know in the the, the world of, of fashion, there's a big kind of like football shirt and jeans movement going on. If anything hits the zeitgeist like that, the prices go through the roof. Like uh, vintage band t-shirts go for an absolute arm and a leg. And I've got an original, I think, 1991 Pearl Jam t-shirt, and I've had it for years. It was a hand-me-down from my sister. A part of me is thinking, probably sell that for a couple of quid, but I kind of don't want to but like you said 10 years ago well probably would have got about 15 quid
0: for it and now get a a chunk yeah I I remember there was a mate I went on a a started with recently who I sold a Newcastle like the maroon Kevin Keegan like it was just like a zip up like just jacket thing not waterproof or anything and I sold him it for 25 quid and I thought I've done quite well there to get that I could easily get 500 quid for that now it's not even
1: yeah (laughs) it's disgusting you 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 put us onto um, a replica's Twitter page, uh, someone who was doing the, I, I won't name them in case they get um, taken down because it's it's not the most legal thing. Um, they were doing replicas of the old kind of Adidas uh, training sweaters, and the Liverpool one that I'd always wanted, I think, what, 96, the green one, and the actual official one can go for 270 to 300 odd quid, yeah. and I got a really nice replica for about 55 quid. Again, worn that once because it was a heatwave when I bought it. Uh, <laughs> they're really good, though, aren't they? <laughs> they're really good. Yeah, Aaron Morrison got one as well, and I think Joel jumped in as well. Joel got all three. That was an offer on that certain site. Oh,
0: what a what a dangerous <laughs> boy he is. <laughs> <laughs> he is! But there you go. Let us know what your favourite bit of football memorabilia is. But uh, that's sign messy. That's uh, oh, that's a it's it's locked away in a certain place. I'm not going to say. I don't know why i even say it's that. that- Especially now you know that he's got an absolute lad on him as well. <laughs> that's the thing that's going to take it to the next level. And it's time to end with the big question, which is a terrifying one. Um, will Kylian Mbappe's proposed transfer to Al-Hilal signify or open the floodgates for more top-level players to go to Saudi Arabia or will they see the one year movies allegedly going to get as we're still sat here on Wednesday the 26th of July and think to themselves I fancy a year but that's all we'll
1: have Um, it's it's a business at the end of the day footballers as much as they love playing for you know, the exhilaration the, the sports side of it the actual competitiveness of it at the end of the day they want to make money I don't think Mbappe is going to change anyone's mind to be honest. If he signs, I think they're still going to throw money around. If he doesn't sign, they're obviously going to still throw money around to try and get that big player. I think it's a case-by-case basis and I think most players, if you basically hand them what equates to a blank check, I think a lot of them are going to have their head turned. If he does do a one-year move, I think that could be the game changer though. In terms of which way? In terms of potentially prolonging your career if you've got a year where you're just like training but not really playing to the top level it it could prolong your career you could rest on your laurels and become crap who knows and yeah if someone offered you seven over half a billion for a year Yeah. It must be hard to
0: say no to. I think it's a, if he takes it, it's a floodgate opener. I think it gives the Saudi League licence to go and attract anybody they want. I know this sort of situation has played into their hands a bit with PSG wanting to get Mbappe out this summer because his contract's up next summer, so they want to try and recoup some sort of fee. Um, but I think it will lead to them potentially just going with transfer offers now because obviously they've offered £250 million for Mbappe. You're thinking of Haaland, how much would he potentially cost? I imagine there's a release clause in that contract at some point. Could they activate that release clause? Would that release clause apply to them? Because we learned via Liverpool and Luis Suarez that sometimes release clauses can be turned down uh, for some reason. Uh, but I think it's a proper scary floodgate opener. But as you say, long, making the career longer because you've basically had a year or twos off, like not playing top-level games two or three times a week, I think that's going to be appealing for a lot of players as well, as well as the money.
1: I, I haven't seen so far how like um, the kit manufacturers are like handling this because obviously um, Ronaldo is a big big Nike boot guy, isn't he? Yeah. I don't know if they've kind of fully jumped on board and are still pushing him around the world as Cristiano Ronaldo, star of the Saudi League, still wears our boots kind of thing. Um, I don't know who makes the kits over there. I don't know anything. But I think if you've got the big sponsorships Still jumping in, two footed into this. I think that's going to have a hold a lot of sway as well. Yeah,
0: we need FIFA. Also want to step in. So they've got a similar thing to what we've got over here. We're useless thing. We They're need this. I know it's going to benefit them and make them more money. They'll get a World Cup over there. That'll have to pay the Saudis will pay a lot more money for than say we would, for example. But there's got to. Yeah. It's got to be an even playing field somehow along the way. Like because even though it's not over here. It is at the top level, like in terms of what teams can, there's a there's a, a line that teams can't go across. Manchester yeah. City might have run across that line, I hope they have, so we'll see what happens. But uh, that's a different discussion for another day. But it's a terrifying time to be a, a European football fan, I guess.
1: Like you said before, I mean, we're, we're, we're a bit on our high horse being, you know, supporters of rich teams in a rich league, but it's it's still hours it's not fair (laughs) it's not fair
0: it's only fair when we're the richest ones taking all the best players from your league watching around the world but that's it for Holding Give (laughs) (laughs) Football Podcast episode 10 Uh, we'll see you in two weeks for a regular instalment of the Holding Give Football Podcast because I'm away uh, next week and next week we have a placeholder where myself and Jack Atkins will go through our combined all-time Premier League 11 so you've still got something coming in your ears much like Charlie
1: FM. And, um, yeah, stay tuned for that, because somehow via Zoom, Ross and I punch each other in the face after some harsh disagreements. It's, it's true. We get along for a fair portion, but there's one at the end where blows are thrown. Right, that's and, it. And, yeah, I, th- I threw it in knowing that Ross would be like, no. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Teasy, teasy teasers. Right, we'll let it go away, because
0: we've now been recording for over two hours. <laughs> yeah, and I am starving i'm sorry for keeping (laughs) you so long jack and thank you for watching everybody we'll see you in two weeks in human form and us from the past we'll see you next week so that's how that'll work goodbye i'm terrible at these sign-offs i need to get better sorry everybody it's all
1: it's all right i'm terrible at the rest of the podcast so (laughs) it's fine (laughs) goodbye the holding give up the the holding give give.
0: up the lionel Messi's is key